Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Welcome, everybody, to episode 85 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Sousa, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host. He's the king of booga booga nonsense. It's Grant Youngsma. How's it going, Grant? Good, Phil. Um, it's been a while, but, I mean, I feel like we're kind of like the Jungle Cruise script, where we don't miss a beat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, lots been going on. You want to kind of fill in, folks, it's, it's uh, you've been busier of the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like right when our not top 10 episode launched, uh, my wife Caitlin and I were going on a vacation and we went to, we started out in the Grand Tetons in Jackson, Wyoming, and then we went up to Yellowstone and then we officially went to Montana with Yellowstone and or west yellowstone is where we stayed there so each of those we spent three days and then um we spent about a day and a half in denver so for that whole trip we covered eight different states oh wow on our travels we went through missouri of course iowa kansas nebraska wyoming idaho montana and colorado wow so um yeah, and then literally the day we, well, the day after we got back, I got my wisdom teeth out. So yeah, you were home for like less than twenty four hours. Yep. So um, as we're recording on Wednesday, tomorrow will have been one week since I got my wisdom teeth out. So so uh, so apologies to the listeners. We haven't had an episode in like it's been like two and a half weeks yeah. or something. I don't know what it's been. But uh, normally we don't like to skip even a week, but um, yeah, it was vacation backed up to, to wisdom teeth. And dude, like you got rocked. They they knocked they knocked out a couple of your teeth and it like like yeah, I mean you've been lying in bed for yeah a long I, time. I literally so I got them out on Thursday. I spent most of my day on Thursday getting sick. Yeah. Which wasn't fun. Um I That's lost. like the the last thing you're talking about like yep. food coming up. I that's the last thing that you want to do when you literally just had work in your mouth yeah. done. So um I lost seven pounds from that. Wow. And then Friday, Saturday. Friday and Saturday was a lot of time in bed. Yeah. And I didn't even leave the house Friday and Saturday. Sunday night I finally got up enough strength to just go for a drive. Wow. But like when I got home I was dead tired. And then uh, starting on Monday, I kind of cranked things back up because 
um, it's almost time to go back to school. So yeah, I really need to get my energy going again, whether or not I felt a hundred percent. So right now I would say I'm probably 85% good. Yeah. So there's still a little bit, little soreness left, but for the most part, I'd say I'm good to go. Wow. I, I think, I just think it affects people differently. And mm-hmm. I mean, you're a, a little older than I was. I was 17 when I had my, but I, I had all four of mine knocked out and I was definitely bedridden. I was couch ridden for like two or three days probably. Yeah. Um, but then I kind of bounced right back up, but I, obviously I was a lot younger and mm-hmm. more of a spry person than I am now. I, it would completely flatline me now, I think. Yeah. But, um, Anyway, I, I remember being like, oh, okay, this is inconvenient and having to take a lot of pills mm-hmm. uh, for the pain and stuff like that. But uh, I remember bouncing back pretty fast. Like within a couple of days, I was back up. Um, so yeah, sorry to hear that, that it, w- it was such a bad deal for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, uh, that's not what I was hoping for. for yeah. You, so. so, but at least it won't cause me problems down the line because <laughs> they're not there anymore. Um, the, the only thing that has been going on with us over the last couple of weeks is I, I finally, so it's been COVID, uh, you know, here yeah. in the States and the world really for, you know, a year and a half now. And I hadn't seen for that long that uh, more than a year and a half, I hadn't seen any of, well, I hadn't seen my brother and sister-in-law and, and, our, and my nephews, uh, Jordan's cousins in like over a year and a half. It was Chris, it was literally Christmas of 2019. <laughs> it was the last time that we'd even seen them face to face. And so they got to come into town. Um, obviously it was a huge reunion. The kids have grown by a year and a half. Like yeah. they're all young kids. So like a year and a half is a big, big change. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just fun being with them. And, and part of the, the festivities was Jordan's birthday. So, yep. you know, we got to celebrate her turning five and all that and all that kind of stuff with family. So we had a great time. We uh, went to the local uh, aquarium here in Springfield and uh, spent a lot of money, but had a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, it was just good family time. Like I, I think like people are just done with COVID oh, yeah, separation. Sure. Like we got to get family back together. And I know you've had a chance to do a lot of that this summer. Mm-hmm. So Grant's a teacher. If you don't know Grant from previous episodes. So this is like, this is like playground time for you guys. And then it's yeah. time to get back to work here in a couple of weeks. Yep. So, um, we've had a great summer and, um, the last thing I'll say about my summer is at the end of our trip, uh, cause we of course went on our Florida trip too. And then we've been on like small road trips, but in this summer alone, Caitlin and I have either stayed or stopped in 18 states oh that's awesome yeah that's cool so that that was pretty crazy i don't think i've ever done that in a single year yeah um let alone a summer but um i th- i think i i'm kind of like pride myself or whatever i i think i've been to like i've set foot in not including airports i, I don't really count yeah. like you know puddle jumping in an airport but like actually like driven and stood in about 42 41 or 42 states yeah. Um, including Hawaii. Um, you know, I haven't been to Alaska and there's a few, ironically, like some of the States in like the, the Midwest, like not too far from here. I haven't been to, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, West coast, East coast and kind of everything, you know, just a couple States over from those coastal States. Yeah. I've been in all of those States. So, uh, a lot of choir tours and things like that. Um, we did a lot of traveling when, when we were kids, we actually, uh, the last time I was in Yellowstone was, uh, about 30 years ago, probably I like, I was like a young kid okay. uh, when we went. So, um, been all the way up North and everything like that too. So 
but yeah, I boy, 18 in one summer is a lot. I, yeah. I've never done anything close to that. So that puts our, I think our totals are at 29 and 30 states that we've been okay. to. That's, so that's great. Just haven't really done the East Coast. Yeah. And then, of course, so the, Alaska and Hawaii. See, the East Coast, you could drive around for like three or four hours and knock out like eight of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're also tiny and scrunched together. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. been an exciting summer. Well, I mean, if you're hearing some like catch up like on the mics right now, it's like Grant and I literally haven't seen each other. We're really good friends outside of the podcast and uh, haven't even hung out in a couple weeks. So uh, this is kind of a chance for us to catch up as well. So. Yeah. Uh, so sorry for the, the long delay, but um, we're back and we're going to give you like a super, super, this will be like one of the longest episodes we've ever done uh, today, probably just to catch up on all the stuff that we've missed. Uh, what If is out today as we're recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, August the 11th, but we are not covering the what if. So uh, if you've not seen it yet, never fear. Uh, we're actually not going to, both of us have seen it, but we're going to keep spoil- spoilers and just any kind of review talk on uh, what if for the next episode. So that'll give you, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, uh, you've got time to, to watch it and then come back for the next episode and, and hear us go uh, on and on about what if. So uh, today's episode is is really just going to be catch up. So we're talking about Jungle Cruise from you know released a couple weeks ago. Now we're talking about High School Musical, the musical, the series, season two. We got to wrap up that conversation. We kind of decided just to talk about it at the very end. Once we've seen all the episodes, we're going to talk about the um, attra- behind the attraction mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise episode. That's the only one I've seen. But yeah. um, and then I have a like. I have like three or four other shows that are like in my what else have you been watching? Okay. Plus we're going to do news here in the in, in uh, at the top of the show. So there's a lot to talk about. It's going to be a long show, but um, we like to do a long episode after kind of being gone for a while. So um, let's get into the news, uh, news of the week. Um, I'm nor- Normally I have you go first, but I think there's a, like such a big story that like, I mean, both of us saw it and both of us read it. So I'm going to just introduce it and then, and then you can go second today. You get to go first every other week. But okay. um, this is, I think one of the biggest, not just the biggest, one of the biggest stories of the last couple of weeks. I think it's one of the biggest stories of the entire year oh, yeah, so far. For sure. Um, and I, I think it's because it's the intrigue, I think comes from the le- the legal like the legality of it. Um, it comes from the high profileness of the actor uh, and, you know, Marvel stuff and everything like that. Um, so here, here's what it is. If you, if you haven't seen the news on it, um, Disney is being sued. Uh, I think the lawsuit's still going to happen um, by Scarlett Johansson. This came out uh, a while ago. It shows you how long it's been since we recorded, but the, the article came out on July 29th that she is, Suing, and I'm I'm kind of like paraphrasing and getting like cutting out a lot of the fat of the story just to get right to the brass yeah. tacks of it. Basically, because of the streaming part of it, the Disney Plus streaming. So, basically, and I don't know all of the numbers, but I heard like 20 million is like what they were going to pay her, like her total salary for mm-hmm. for doing that. That the uh, of course we're talking about the Black Widow movie. She was going to get 20 million. Here's a check for 20 mil. Thanks for being in the movie. That's it. That end of story. And I I think part of her contract was a little nebulous about well, I think it's specifically stated they were not allowed to or they're or maybe it wasn't brought up that they were the, the whole Disney Plus thing was like understood I think verbally to not be on the table. Yeah. So when Disney Plus split basically split the revenue for Black Widow 
And no one thought that they were going to do Disney Plus day and day with that movie, but they did. They made a ton of money, 60 million plus just on the first week, I think, of Disney Plus mm-hmm. streaming. And here's the the caveat is none of that money goes to the actors. Disney Plus or Disney as a co- corporation keeps all of that money. They're not required to pay dividends or anything like that out of, out of the sales from that uh, from the streaming part. And I think they, she was being paid for the movie release only part. Yeah. Well, because of that kind of last minute decision to put it onto Disney plus and the fact that she obviously has been cut out of that deal. She obviously had a huge uh, problem with that and she's suing Disney over it. So here's the discussion. I think that would be fun. Just interesting for us to talk about is, and you don't have to answer this question right off the bat. We can kind of let it sift a little bit, but I want to know at some point who like, uh, who do you think is more likely to be in the right on this? If you, if you have any opinion on that. Yeah. And then secondly, who do you think will actually like come out on top in this? Like, Oh, Disney uh, for sure. You think Disney will just oh, yeah. win it. So what, what, what part of the lawsuit is frivolous? I guess is the right word. Like what, what, what part of it is, is not worthy of being in court? Do you think? I, I mean, I, I can see, and I haven't read the contract or anything. So I, I can know. see where Scarlett Johansson's coming from because obviously it's her likeness, and she wants to be paid. And but I mean, Disney, she probably had to sign so so many contracts that I don't think there's a chance she'll win. Just yeah, because Disney just has so many people working for them. I mean, they have way more people working for him than Scarlett Johansson does. So, um, I mean, I can, I can see where um, she would be a little offended that she's not getting a slice of the pie. But also, you kind of think on Disney's aspect, this movie wouldn't have made as much if they wouldn't have brought it to Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. Because all those people that paid for it on Disney plus. I mean, you could say maybe 25% of them probably would have gone to the theater, but a lot of those people that paid for it on Disney plus were never, we're never going to go to the theater. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think if you're Disney's lawyers, like all you have to say is prove, prove to us like the, 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 the burden of proof is on them. Like they have to prove that they're, that there was a, not a reason, not a good reason for Disney to do this. Yeah. But like Disney, all Disney's lawyers have to stand up and say is like, prove to us that any of those people, any of the $60 million that we got from Disney plus, we're going to go to the theater. Had we not given them the option to stay home. Yeah. Plus it's, we're still in the middle of COVID and like COVID was like ramping up, like mm-hmm. right as the movie hit. So like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Scarlett's lawyers are going to say they're hi- Disney's hiding behind COVID. They're saying that this is, a, that's their, well, we had to is our excuse. It's like, but that's real. Like, I mean, there are really theaters that are not open right now, especially like yeah. on the coastal states and stuff like that, that there's, there's no option to show the movie in theaters. The thir- theaters are literally closed. So I don't know. I, don't, I think that's a Bible. That isn't an excuse, but I think it's a Bible one. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I, Pretty much, you could call this Scarlett Johansson's swan song for Marvel, yeah, and probably even Disney. So talk, talk, mean, talk about that because when I texted you this story a couple weeks ago, your response was like, "I think Scarlett might be done with Disney." Yeah. So, so, so what, do you, what do you mean by that? So I mean, Black Widow, of course. Um, those of you that haven't seen Endgame by now, um, she doesn't make it through Endgame, but I mean, it's just kind of like. 
there wasn't anywhere else you were going to go with that Black Widow story. So, I mean, I would say without a doubt that was the last time you'll see her as Black Widow in a live action movie. So, I mean, there we've talked about Phase Four, and it's not gonna include Black Widow. So, um, I mean, she probably just is kind of like a last ditch, putting all my chips on the table now to get some more money out of Disney. Um, and I mean, it does feel a little desperate, doesn't it? Yeah. Cause I just don't see her. I mean, maybe she could be in an animated movie, like not playing black widow where she lends her voice. But now, I mean, I don't know. I, I think she's done with, she's done with Marvel for sure. It it does smell a little bit of, I have nothing to lose here. Like I'm probably on the outs anyways, because my character is kind of done. Like it's kind of run its course. So it does kind of smell of like, well, if I can get a few mil extra, I'm going to go for it. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to try it and see like, would, you know, the the guys that play like some of the, some of the bigger characters or the upcoming characters like Hawkeye or or whatever, like Mm -hmm. would they, would they try the same stunt? I, I would say probably not. Like you're, you don't want to bite the hands, right? Yeah. So and, I mean, the thing is, where you could say this for Disney and for Scarlett Johansson, she's been in. I don't even like Dude, how the, much money the she number made? of movies she's been in for Marvel. Yeah. I mean, whether it be cameos or substantial roles. I mean, this. I is, mean, she's close to being in like ten of them. Yeah, I. <laughs> She might not have made a hundred million so far, but it pretty pretty close to that number. Like, I mean, the movie is called Black Widow, so it would stand to reason that twenty mil is probably the most she's ever made on yeah. any MC movie. Still, she's been in so many of them and probably racked up you know four here, six there. Yeah, you know, you add all those performances up, she's probably made sixty or seventy million dollars off the franchise. Like, so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, Scarlett Johansson gave over ten years of her life to this, but also she was paid handsomely. So it's kind of like I can see both ways. Yeah. I definitely see where she's coming from because I, I understand. I, I, I mean, maybe I, I read it wrong, but like I, from what I understand, she does get like some kickback from sales. Like the more, the better the movie does in theaters, the more, the more, yeah. mon- mo- the more money she makes. And the, the fact that they're just streaming it on Disney plus at all, which is not in the contract means she's making less money. So, okay. Yes, I get that. I understand that. And I'm, I'm never going to like point to any motion picture company and say, this is how much you should pay your actors. But 20 million for a single movie is insane to me. Like, I remember like when like Will Smith was in movies and they were throwing around figures like 10. Yeah. And the thing is like none of these movies that she was paid for were flops. No. So she's a superstar because of MCU. So it's kind of like, and she was, she was, Okay, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, Scarlett was in movies before MCU, I I, I know that. <laughs> like, yeah. she, she's been in movies for 20 years plus. But, like, I, I'm just saying, like, they she owes a lot to Marvel and, yeah. and Disney. Because she wasn't well-known in Home Alone 3. <laughs> so, it's just kind of like, when you talk about the legacy of Scarlett Johansson, I would say over 50% of the people are going to say, I know her from playing Black Widow. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, I, agree. I mean, I understand where she's coming from. I don't think she's going to win. But 
and all in all, Disney did her a favor by letting her play Black Widow. Yeah, and to be honest, I, the first thing I thought of when I saw the story was, wait, Disney has delayed this movie and delayed this movie and delayed this movie. She like, could have got like nothing from this yeah, movie. They, if they wanted to screw her, they could have done that a year ago. <laughs> like, yeah. In the middle of COVID, just to say, oh, they you know, forget, done, forget it, we're releasing they it They could have done no premiere access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, boy, I... I really think that they could have just buried this film if they wanted to, but Disney likes to make money like every other company out there. Yeah. And they did the, their best they could to, to make as much money in the theater as they could. Um, honestly, I think Disney plus premiere probably promotes cinema as well because your friends watched it at their house. They loved it. And that inspires you to pay a ticket at the theater and you weren't going to go see the movie at all. So I think it's all, <laughs> it's all recursive. It all kind of, you know, eats itself. Like I, it's, it's fascinating to me that, she wants to make a big stink over this when honestly there, I think Disney was trying to make as much money from the theaters as they could. And like, I don't know how much like Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. made on their standalone films. But for me, 20 million is pretty good for a standalone film. Yeah. It's easy for us, you know, with our salaries to say like, Oh, I'd be happy with 20 mil, but come on. Like that's probably the biggest paycheck she's ever had from any film. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, Hollywood's a different place and people just think differently there, but, and Scarlet or somebody from the Disney corporation, if you want to come shed some light on the story for us, we'll, we'll gladly lend you a mic. Let me, um, let me ask you one more question. Cause I, I read, this is an article somewhere, but do you think this influences pay future pay for like, is Disney changing their like their process for like coming up with pay like level pay and stuff like that for actors going forward like is does this set any kind of a precedent i think it depends on the actor oh yeah like how vital they are yeah like um jonathan majors for example i could see them kicking him some more money just because of how vital he is to what's going forward yeah. But like I mean if it's um Jeremy Renner complaining about Hawkeye um he's on his way out most likely. So I mean I feel like it depends on the actor at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it happens too much with people that have future endeavors with Disney. Like I I really don't think it's very wise at all to bite the hand that feeds you. So it makes sense in this scenario. I I don't know that it affects contracts that much, but I I can almost assure you it's going to affect negotiations. Like yeah. I think there's going to have to be more discussion about streaming in a post-COVID world. Like we we've been talking, you and I have been talking about this for years. Last over a year on this podcast is streaming is here, and it's not just Disney Plus. It's HBO Max. It's you know Paramount plus or whatever it's mm-hmm. called like it's all these other streaming services that yes they're gonna you're, they're still gonna release movies to theaters for the most part that's not gonna just stop um there'll be exceptions like pixar or whatever but um they're gonna continue releasing in theaters but this is always gonna be a companion piece to it you'll be able to see it on hbo max on day and day as the same day that the, the warner brothers movie come out, comes out in theaters and so there's gonna have to be more discussions over what does that mean for the actors for you know the other workers that, you know, producer, director, like other people that are the, the script writers, do they get a cut off of streaming sales, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And then how is all that, um, 
uh, figured, you know, like uh, I would assume subscription fees probably wouldn't factor into that. But if if there's an increase in subscriptions, that's where it gets all crazy. But like, I think they're going to have to figure this out going forward because like actors are not going to put up with just saying, oh, if you hide it on streaming, then I get nothing. Like they're they're not going to be down with that. I mean, I could see them throwing like a couple million here or there. Just once again, depending on the actor or actress. But I mean, Disney's also a business. And when you're dealing with like Marvel, for instance, I feel like Disney almost thinks they're doing you a favor, letting you play that role to begin with. Oh, yeah. Because they kind of are holding all the cards. Like they don't have to let you in any movies going forward. Because. Um, for, I mean, there's probably like four or five that have bad tastes in our mouths, but I mean, in the long run, you're going to be thanking Disney for the role they gave you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I, I think that's a good discussion on that. I, that, that article was super, I mean, several articles I read about it, um, were super intriguing. I, I this is in, this is the new world that we're living in and, um, it's going to have to, it's interesting that she's the first, but I think there will be others to follow as well. And this will become more and more of a, a you know, a topic that is brought up like within Hollywood, I think, um, you know, to figure out how to, how to do this fairly moving forward. So, yeah. Um, Cool. What was uh so you said that there was another article that kind of tickled your fancy a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I mean, when I read into this, it wasn't as big of an issue as I thought it was. Um, but what if uh, the premiere episode, of course, uh, aired today, and it is the lowest scoring Marvel show on Disney Plus by Rotten Tomatoes so far? Oh, wow. Okay. But then you look at the ratings, and it's still got an 89%. So it's still pretty high. I mean, the other ones were 90, 91, and 92. So, yeah, I think we're not going to get into a review of of the first episode, of course. That's for next episode. But um, as far as like a a showing, like a first episode showing, I thought it was strong. Like, um, I, I wouldn't say like it was you know, less exciting. I, I would argue it's maybe more exciting than like WandaVision episode one mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, so that's interesting. I mean, did, did they talk about viewing numbers at all? I would expect, no, I haven't, I mean, it's not, so we're recording this on Wednesday. So like yeah. the day's not even over, but I'm very interested to see the, the actual streaming numbers that they even announce it. Um, it can't possibly be as high as yep. the other ones just because of the animated nature of it. Yeah. So I, mean, I wonder how many how many people even know that this is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like they probably oh, just. I, I think a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's been on a lot of commercials. Yeah, that's true. On national TV, so I feel like people have known for a while that this is coming out. But I mean, I think it helps that it's the original actors. Like it's yep. it's actually Chris Evans and the girl that plays Peggy. I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, I can't remember her name. But it's not. But I think I saw that it wasn't Chris Evans in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. I want to say I saw that, which huh. we can get more in depth when we review it, but I'm yeah, pretty I'll, sure I I'll saw that. that. Up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could tell it was, um, 
you know, voice actor. I don't want to give away other characters. I mean, it's clear that those two characters are in it. We haven't spoiled anything, but uh, there are other characters in the episode as well. And, and to me, they sounded like they were voiced exactly by the same actors that played them in the movies. So. Yeah, it was Josh Keaton. Wow. According to IMDb. How about that? Yeah. I wonder how that even came about. Like, surely they extended the offer to Chris and then yeah, he turned so. it down. He sounded a lot like Chris, I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what I, happened. I don't, I don't think that this show is not going to be reviewed as highly as those other shows. I don't think so. It's either. just not. I I think they they probably led with their best fit, foot. I think the first episode is going to be probably one of their better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, everyone's excited for the Chadwick Boseman episode. Just to hear his voice again will be really cool. Um, there, there'll be a couple other big hitters and stuff like that. But I think... I, that this show just I don't I don't even think they're trying like they, I don't think anyone at Disney is shooting for the same ratings as like Loki it's, yeah. it's not gonna hit that and I mean it's a it's a 30 minute animated show like it's it, it, they know what they know what it is yeah so so I mean we'll get into more depth about it but. yeah I do recommend it, by the way. I, we'll get into our review on the next episode, but um, definitely watch it, if, especially if you're a Marvel fan. There's there's no reason not to. Um, it's right there for free for you on Disney Plus, and it's 30 minutes of your time. So yeah, with jump into credits, it. it's only like 20 minutes. So yeah, cool. All right. Well, um, I'm sure there was a, a bunch of other news as well, but um, that's. I mean, we've already spent like 25 minutes on the yeah. news. I I just I knew that that story as soon as I saw it, I was like that's going to be a big discussion on the next episode. We have mm-hmm. to talk about that. Uh, what a big, um, what, what, what a big newsworthy milestone, I think for streaming services in general. And it's just interesting that it came to Disney plus. And uh, of course we need to talk about that when it comes to, to that service. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're going to get into uh, jungle cruise in a moment, but uh, Grant and I were talking about it before we hit record. And, I know it might seem a little weird, but I think it'll make sense, especially as we start to review the movie. But I would like to talk about the Jungle Cruise Behind the Attraction um, documentary Mm -hmm. first. So I'm going to throw it to you first. But if you're you're not aware, we talked about it a couple weeks ago on our last episode. But uh, Behind the Attraction is a series of documentaries um kind of like the the making of like making of winter soldier making of uh loki those kind of shows but it's basically kind of like the making of the ride like like it's it's a it's basically a documentary about how they came up with these rides and the history behind them Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um you know mostly focused on in this one at least is disneyland but also the disney world uh version of of jungle cruises as well which they're you know probably almost identical and um I find it to be really fascinating. Why, yeah. why, why don't you talk about it first? Um, so this, of course, perked my interest because um, this one is, I mean, maybe not. I'd I'd say it's probably a top five ride for me at Disney. Oh, when what? I was... When I was, I'll let you continue. When when I was a kid, Jungle Cruise, honestly, for a couple of years, there was my favorite ride. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, like, we, of course, Caitlin and I just went to Magic Kingdom last July. And this was one of the rides that I was excited for. Um, I would say this is right up there with Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, um, Haunted Mansion. Uh, what else am I? Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, this uh, ride is gold. Um, you just wrote it. Yeah. 
So, I mean, and I feel like as I've gotten older, I've just grown to love this ride even more. Like those puns that they throw out are just wonderful. So let let me throw this at, it's, it's to give you another talking point on, on what you're, the track that you're already riding right now, no, no pun intended, um, is um, there's no other ride at Disneyland or Disney World that's that's like this ride. No. And I would argue there's there's no other ride like this ride maybe anywhere, yeah. like at any amusement park. Um, would you agree? I, I would say the only thing that comes close to this ride, which, I mean, they're kind of different, is the Kilimanjaro Safari at Animal Kingdom, where they're actually okay. live animals. Right, right, right. Yeah, I forgot about but, that. I mean... I haven't been there. Th- this ride is... I mean, it's, it, just it, should, to, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Like it's, it's a little bizarre. And just to hear like the behind the story, I mean, it's just fascinating. So what do you remember from like how it came, came to be? Cause uh-huh. this was Walt's brain brainchild. Like he, he wanted this yeah, ride. He basically, it was brought on. Walt did a lot of traveling and he mm. wanted to take his audience on a journey of his journeys and that's basically, so he wanted to take him on a cruise to see all these animals that he had been seeing. And which one thing that I had no idea, it blew my mind that Disneyland came together in one year. Oh, I didn't I, know. I had no idea. I didn't know that either. That just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. They So, so what, what Grant's saying is like, they came up with the plans and the idea for Disneyland, and then it the park literally opened its doors a year, like twelve months yeah. later or something like that. So I mean, that just think about that blew my mind. And I mean, the thing that also got my attention them talking about how they would go around and literally <laughs> uproot plants <laughs> to put in the Jungle Cruise. See, that's so weird for us here in Missouri, where there, there's literally like a thousand trees like a mile from mm-hmm. within a, a mile radius of where we're sitting right now. But like I, I used to live in Southern California. There, there's no, there's no wildlife of yeah. any kinds. So it's, it's a desert. It's a literal desert. And so think about this. I mean, it's, it's so easy to look Oh yeah, of course jungle cruise would be a hit. He didn't know that. And mm-hmm. they, they, <laughs> he wanted to make a literal jungle yeah. in the middle of the, arid desert of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and he pulled it off. Like they, they dug trenches. They, they, they poured in water. They brought in water, but then like you said, they didn't have any trees or anything in the area to grab. Yeah. And the ones that they did got accidentally like uprooted and like mm-hmm. disposed of. And then someone made a mistake. So they had to like, literally like they were, and this tells you like the time period in which this was all happening, but they were, they were uh, creating, digging and creating I-5, Interstate yeah. 5, to go through Los Angeles. And they had to like, you know, bulldoze down trees to, to build this highway, this interstate. And, and as they were taking trees out of the way for the highway builders, Disney was coming to me like, don't throw that tree away, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they had that one story about how the guy had taken the tree from like his parents' backyard or something. Yeah. And it's still there today. And I mean, I just think that's just so cool. They were so innovative. Like they, they, they call those, um, those guys Imagineers, I think, 
but what a perfect name. Like I, these guys are geniuses. I, I don't understand from what part of your brain you can even come up with the ideas that they did. Yeah. They, they took a tree, cut off all the like leaves and all and ex- external branches and all that kind of stuff. The little, the little tiny branches and, and, planted the tree upside down. So like the, the branches are the connecting with the earth. The trunk is going into the air and they did that so that this tree would look like, um, you know, uh, out of this world, like super weird roots yeah. going into the ground. And that's how they made that tree on the jungle cruise ride by literally taking a tree and just putting it upside down. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that's, that's genius. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. And I mean, and also, like, how Walt basically wanted it to be very informative, but then... Some, it was a serious ride when yeah, he so, came up with and it. And then they came in and said it was boring. Yeah. And it also blew my mind that he literally took one of his, like, writers from film. Yeah. And he came in and wrote the script to make it funnier. Yeah. So the, the ride was originally kind of inspired by the African Queen. Yep. Which I don't think is it. Is that a Disney movie? Uh, I don't know. I got the impression it wasn't. It was just like a movie yeah. that he really loved. Um, he was a, Walt was a huge animal lover, like, and I'm talking like wild animals. Um, so like elephants and zebra, mm-hmm. like he just loves like you know going to zoos and safaris and stuff. So like he he wanted to teach people because it's the 1950s or 60s. 50s. 50s. It's the 1950s. And think about that time period. Like people were not like world travelers like they are now. Yeah. It, if you could afford a plane ticket to go to Mexico or whatever, you did it. But very few people were traveling the world in the 1950s. So they were like, we'll bring the world to them. Like we'll bring it to Los Angeles. And so, yeah, he wanted to teach them. Like he wanted to be like an educational ride. Yeah. Of like, here's, here's what you can learn about real animals. He wanted like real animals, live animals on the on the grounds, but then he realized that they would be just sleeping all day long and that wouldn't be very exciting, but he was going to literally have like basically a boat riding through a zoo. Um, mm-hmm. it was kind of his original idea and then it like, you know, completely changed after that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then just how they go in depth about how they built the animatronics and yeah. how they wanted to hide that they were animatronics. I mean, it was just fascinating for me. And I mean, Anyone that loves Disney World or Disneyland, I mean, I think it's very fascinating for any fan of the parks. So I, I just have two two things to add. Um, one is um, to speak to the animatronics. They dyed the water green, yeah. which I think is fascinating. They knew that that clear water. I mean, even if it got a little muddy, you could still see into the water. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want it would obviously take you completely out of the experience if you could see like the the hippo doesn't even have any legs. Yeah. It's just like an animatronic thing. So they were like, let's dye the water green so you literally cannot see into the water. Mm-hmm. So like you would think that oh that's just an aesthetic they wanted to look like you know like a bayou kind of water, but they did that literally so you can't see into it into yeah. the water, which I thought was fascinating. And then the other the last thing I had was. The how the the idea for jokes and for off the cuff like you know the ride the so 
Walt went on the ride and, and then he got off the ride and he was walking around and he overheard a woman talking to her husband or kids or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, I'm not going to ride. Uh, let's go ride the jungle cruise. No, I've, I've already ridden that before. And it's the same thing every time I'm not riding it. Yeah. And he, t- he heard that as he was walking through, they obviously didn't recognize him. And, um, he's like, that's not good. I, I don't like that. So he like immediately set to work of like, let's make it, uh, let's throw in some jokes. Um, the first couple jokes were really dumb, but then he got this, this awesome, like really funny writer to come in, uh, I think for 20,000 leagues into the sea or something yep. like that. And was like, okay, write jokes for this thing. And then let's keep them. Let's change them out like once a month, once, once every week or whatever. And so they were, they, they, his goal was to make that ride where you would never experience the same, you would never have the same jungle cruise experience twice in a row that every experience is different. Yeah. And that's stayed true to today. I mean, like if you go to it, you know, you just went on the ride a month ago. If you go in a couple months from now, it's going to be completely different because the jokes will be different. The The skipper that you have is going to be a, a completely different personality. Yeah. Like everyone's allowed, everyone has a script. Like even now there's, there's a written script that you're supposed to memorize, but Walt was okay with it. And obviously every CEO from there from, since then has been okay with it. Of, hey, if you come up with a joke in the, in the, you know, in the middle of a conversation, let it fly. Like, you know, this is improv yeah. com- comedy. Um, and that's why I keep saying like, there's no ride like this in the world. Like where, what other ride is it? Are, are you experiencing a human for one thing But think about that? They have to employ a human to, to drive every boat yeah. in that ride. Like that's super bizarre. And the fact that they, that the human gets to put their own spin and their own personality on the jokes and the experience, and then they might even change it up. Like every boat ride, they, they do different jokes every time. Like it's, it's really fast. It's a fascinating, uh, I think it's a, it's an artistic experience, let alone an, like a, you know, a entertaining one. Yeah. So, and I mean, I joked about it when we were on vacation in Florida with you guys about wanting to work for Disney world and be a skipper on the jungle cruise but i mean i mean i'd say still say it's probably a joke but i mean maybe like 15% of me would love to do that and i think it'd be fun it'd be phenomenal so uh recently on sip pop i i'm not on the show but i helped produce the show they were talking to the the guests of the show worked at Disneyland yeah. uh, for a, a period of time and worked around the jungle cruise i think she might have been working maybe around the line, like helping people get on and off the boats. So, okay. like she was kind of adjacent to the jungle cruise and how she always wanted to aspire to be a skipper. Um, but like just couldn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And cause I think they, they do like interviews and like make oh, you yeah, like, sure. make you do like comedy, like it, like in a, uh, like a tryout kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I think she tried out a couple times and, and couldn't make it, but and her um, jokes just fell flat. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she knew obviously working there, she knew a lot of the people that were skippers and these, she said these guys were like almost celebrities. Like, like, Hey, that look, look at that guy over there. He's a, he's one of the skippers. Like it's, it's like a, it uh, uh, across the par- the entire park. It's if you're a skipper, it's kind of like being a um, cast member, like a uh, you know Bell or something. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's kind of like a prestigious <laughs> position to be a skipper for Jungle Cruise. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I could do it when I retire, but I mean that might be a little out of my prime. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've always dreamt of working at Disney World. Yeah, I think it would be fun. I, you know, I'm sure there's 
some parts of it that aren't that fun, like any amusement park would be. But from what I've heard, they take really good care of their employees. Um, I've known actually more than one person that's worked at Disney World, and um, honestly, it's it's hard to get them to complain about too much. Yeah. Like it's it's you know the happiest, I kind of wish I would jumped on it in college. Oh yeah. I, I think if you're, especially like a younger age person, yeah. I think it's, and you're going to be in that area, living in that area anyways, it's, it's a no brainer. And like, I, I think it'd be really fun. So, um, by the way, the, the, the documentary itself, the narration of it is funny. Yeah. Like they were like joking and, you know, making little gaffes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just in the telling of the story, like almost even making fun of, the ride itself in some, some places. So like it's, it's an entertaining, this is not your average documentary is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like if you watch, um, you know, like a serious national geographic documentary, it's not meant to be funny. It's, they're trying to tell you facts. Like they're trying to mm-hmm. educate, educate you. And this is educating you, but it's done in a very humorous, entertaining way. It, it feels like a different kind of documentary to me. Yeah. So if, and that makes me, I don't know if the other ones are going to be in the same style as this one because obviously the jungle cruise is a funny ride and maybe some of the other ones aren't as funny but um it definitely the behind the attraction i think has five episodes yep at, at the time That's of this correct recording and it makes me want to watch the other ones even more knowing that the first one's that good yeah and i mean i think with credits it's like 40 40 minutes so i mean yeah it's a little bit longer but I thought I felt like it was just the right length. Like yeah. any shorter, I, I I would have felt like they were not telling me everything, and any longer, I would think, okay, you're just drawing this out. So, yeah. so like I said, if you're a fan of the parks, I would encourage you to check it out. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I was going to talk about behind the attraction in my what else have you been watching? Mm-hmm. But once I f- figured out that you'd also seen it and it pertains to the movie that we're covering today, I was like, okay, we need to make that kind of a more of a yeah, like a bigger segment. So, cool. Um, all right, we're we're gonna transition into the movie. Um, just so you know, uh, just in case you know, this is one of your first episodes of Disney Plus reviews. We are gonna f- spoil the entire movie. Uh, we'll start, you know, relatively close to the beginning, but we'll jump around a lot, and it's probably not gonna make a lot of sense to you if we jump around and you haven't seen it. So, just be aware of that. And of course, if you don't want to be spoiled on it, we don't want to. Uh, you know, be the ones that do that for you. So uh, if you, you can always hit pause or skip forward to, you know, high school musical, if you're just jonesing to hear about that. Um, but I, we re- highly recommend just pausing the, the podcast right now, go watch the movie. It's about two hours long and then come back and hit play. And we'd be happy to, to uh, get into your Assist ear holes after that. Yeah. On your cruise. <laughs> Allow we, us to skipper you. We, we are literally on the Jungle Cruise right now. That's we, right. We've snuck into Disney World. Yeah. And we're riding this. Yeah. And Phil is our guide today. Watch out for that piranha. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. Jungle Cruise. What's your general, kind of general thoughts? Um, Like it, love it, hate it? I would say... In between like it slash love it. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, I literally just saw it in theaters today as we're recording. Oh, really? Like about four hours ago, we walked out of the theater. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So. Um, you go see a Alamo? Yep. Okay. So I was telling Caitlin. That, I, watched, I watched it at home. So that okay. we'll have a little bit of different experience. Yeah. I was telling Caitlin that I enjoyed this movie. Um, 
And it's probably one of my favorite movies I've seen this year so far. Um, it's definitely better than Cruella, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And But I don't think it's quite to Black Widow standards. Okay, yeah. Um, but I told Caitlin that just my love for this ride, I feel like that was enough for me. Huh. And, But I also really like The Rock. And I was thrilled that he was in this movie. Did he... He's great. Yeah. He's really, really good. I To think about like his roots as like a, just a WWE wrestler to yeah. where he is. I know that that, that comparison has been made a hundred million times. I'm just saying like no one has transcended to his level yeah. that's come out of wrestling. Like he's, I, he's a superstar. And like Emily Blunt did a fantastic yeah, job. She's so good. And whoever played McGregor did good yeah. as well. And, um, I mean, how about, I didn't even know Paul Giamatti was going to be in this movie. I didn't know that either. But the moment he walked on screen, I was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And his character is just it's priceless. Good. It's great. He's he's not, I mean, I don't know how you could have made him in the movie more unless like he literally got in the boat with them. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think that would have worked well. Like I, the, the movie shines on, on its interaction and chemistry between the two main characters. Yeah. And I think Paul Giamatti for the whole film, I think would have been too much, but boy, I, I just wanted more of Nilo. I mean, he gets <laughs> probably 15 to 20 minutes of screen time total. But I yeah. mean that first scene that with him and Frank just kind of like going back and forth was just priceless. It's so good. His Italian accent his thick Italian and how he just literally takes the engine out of the <laughs> the boat and just locks it up in storage <laughs> and just walks away with the key. <laughs> yeah. He's such a slime ball. He takes all of his money away from him. He's such a great character. I, um, I know we're like getting to the end. I'm not trying to get to the end by saying this, but like they're going to make a sequel yeah. to this film and I want Paul Giamatti to be in it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, I think the casting was just well done. It's really good. So I'm gonna look up that guy, the McGregor guy. He's fantastic. At, at the at the the first twenty or thirty minutes of the movie, especially when he's like bringing his like twelve bags down from the the jeep or whatever, yeah. like um, I was like, this guy's a little whiny. But like towards the, especially as the movie progressed and like seeing him get like face paint on and like and really like get into the experience of being on the on the on the river and stuff like that and how he becomes really almost like a hero at the end i was like this guy's awesome and yeah. like i really i cannot wait to see him again in again like jungle cruise too the actor's name is jake whitehall and i don't know that i've seen him in anything yeah i i have not heard of him and but i mean at first you're kind of just like oh we're getting this type of character but i mean some of the stuff was just humorous like his interaction with is a is a leopard or what kind of animal is it even? I'm gonna a look jaguar. It, I'm gonna look it up. I I feel like I should know that since I have a five year old, but I I have no idea what animal that but was. But I mean, just his first interaction with it. Jaguar is the answer. Okay, but I mean, it's just comical, and just when the rock is just seen throwing his <laughs> suitcases overboard, and then he's like, "Oh, that has." alcohol in it oh we'll keep that one (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like all these, um, you know, stereotypical. Nineteen. This movie takes place in nineteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. So the stereotypical, like, um, what do they call those? Um, not chests, but like, oh gosh, what's the word for it? Trunks. Trunks. Thank you. Um, you know, this huge. I mean, they've each one's got to be eighty pounds. Yeah. And he's got like ten of them, right? And um, he's like, no, 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 we're not taking all your dresses with us. So he's t- <laughs> he's talking to Lily, and he's like, she's like, those aren't mine. Those are my brothers. <laughs> So, I mean, I just, I mean, if I had to, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I would give this like 80% or so, but I, I mean, it's just great. And like from the first scene where you literally feel like you're riding the jungle cruise. Oh, it's so good. It's basically like a stick for all of his riders and I mean, it makes you feel like you're actually on the Jungle Cruise. And I just love how they incorporated the ride because literally on the ride, one of the uh, guides jokes is, and there's the eighth wonder of the world, the back of water. (laughs) And they literally say it every time on the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, everyone knows that that's like the quintessential joke that you... Every you cannot go on that ride without yeah. hearing that joke, and so the fact that he did, that Rock did that in the movie is like, yes, well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of his jokes are like the the dad joke kind of thing. Like, um, he tells a he's t- tells a he's like uh, he's like I my favorite bird is uh, I can't remember how the, the setup was, but toucan. he's like toucan. It's like a toucan joke. He's like, well, toucan play at that game or whatever. I was like, okay, these are. Dumb and also hilarious because they're exactly what you'd experience on the Jungle yeah. Cruise ride. So, what I, do you, so let me come back to something you said a few minutes ago because it, it just kind of came up in my brain when you said that the dad joke thing. Is this movie just as enjoyable for someone who's never been to Disneyland or World? I think it depends on your type of sense of humor. Yeah, if you're open to like dumb type of jokes, like the Napoleon Dynamite. Dumb and Dumber type genre. I think you you'll enjoy it. You you're missing the nostalgia piece of it though. Yeah. Like I, I, why I was just cackling at these at these yeah. jokes and him, you know, just tongue in cheek and them like not getting it and looking at him seriously and stuff like that. I was just dying inside because I was with every joke I w- I was I was 10 year old 10 years old again yeah. on the Jungle Cruise ride. I, I definitely think one thing that this movie will do similar to what Pirates of the Caribbean did is it'll get more people to go to Disneyland or Disney World. Yeah. You think Pirates did the same? Oh, yeah. For sure. And now that they've added Jack Sparrow to the ride, Barbosa to yeah. the ride, I think that just makes people want to go. And like when Caitlin and I were went to Magic Kingdom, they were already, like the ride was still open, but you could see off in the distance how they were doing some remodeling. So I definitely think they were putting in aspects of the movie. Yeah, and I think it, I think that's smart. And it's just how smart Disney is. Yeah, I so I was my wife has not seen this movie yet, and I was trying not to spoil too much, but I was kind of giving her a, a, a few little trivia things about the film. And um, I, I what I told her was, and I, I stand by this now as I'm on the podcast. They the, Disney has my permission to do this with all their rights. Like yeah. if if the ride's not already based on a movie like Peter the Peter Pan ride or something, yeah. like take take whatever is not based on anything and make a movie about it. Because if you're gonna do do it well, like you did for this movie, mm-hmm. 
keep doing it. I I would love for I I also I mean some, for some people like it might they might it might get to the point where it's too, it's getting old. Like please don't don't keep you know milking this over and over and over again. I don't know that I would ever get to that point because all the rides are so different from each other and they lend themselves to different genres of movies. Yeah. Even I I don't even know that I could. This movie in a lot of ways we'll get to some of the inspirations for the movie here in a little bit, but this movie is definitely inspired by the pirates movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, even down to, down to like the undead villains that they have to yep. fight. It's very similar to pirates. It's also very similar to some other franchises that we'll talk about later. But um, I, I don't know. I think pirates and this one are very linked because they're, they're both on the water. They're both fanciful, but I don't know that there are all their other rides. They're are both in the same world, at least in Disney world. Yeah. I feel like they're oh, yeah, good in point. every park, they're in the same area. Yeah, the Tomorrowland rides are not going to be the same yeah. feel as Jungle Cruise. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I there's so many stories to tell, I think, from the, the rides. And I don't know that Walt... I mean, Walt would be thrilled, I think, to see how well his company has been, yeah. has been doing over the last 10, 15, 20 years. But I don't think that even in his mind that he ever would have thought that the Jungle Cruise ride that he came up with probably over lunch yeah. with some dude at, at the Disney Corporation when he was running it um, would ever make it to like a blockbuster film. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just don't think that was something he ever thought would be possible and yet I think he would be thrilled to see it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't really know where to start, but I mean... Let's let's talk about The Rock. I, you talk about how, how much you, you love yeah. him as an actor and I do too. He's... He really is star power to the max. Like mm-hmm. he's so charismatic and captivating. Like the way he grimaces, his facial mannerisms, yeah. and the way he delivers lines, and he he embodies. You might say that this is a little typecast for him as an actor, but he is perfect in this kind of um, bravado kind of personality. I know better than you, but then he gets showed up all the time. It's not that dissimilar from Loki. Um, just he exudes confidence, but then he shouldn't be confident all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's he is really funny. I, I think throughout the movie, and yet he does action really good. I know this is this comparison. Maybe I, I know you've seen some Arnold movies, but I'm dating myself a little bit by comparing him to Arnold. But but it is similar to. To me, Arnold in his prime, when he was making gobs of millions of yeah. dollars, um, he was just as good at the comedy stuff as he was the action, you know, guns blazing and like punching dudes out and stuff like that. And to me, The Rock is maybe not the second coming of Arnold, but he's very similar, I think, to yeah. him in his ability. I mean, he's a, he's a superstar for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like... We've talked about how I feel like the cast um, complements him very well. Yeah. And, I mean, Emily Blunt's a full-on superstar as well. Yeah. And they just complement each other so well. And if there's one aspect that is probably the biggest takeaway from this is they did they knocked the casting out of the ballpark. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. It's so good. It, it's good enough to stand on its own for many more movies. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that I want to see five, like the Pirates mm-hmm. franchise has gotten to, and they're probably going to do a Pirate Six. I, but I think a, tr- a trilogy is, is definitely in the cards for this. Yeah. And so, I mean, 
it is just they just work so well together and um it's very similar to the marvel universe where i mean disney just has some of the best maybe scouts out there they just know who they want to play this part that they have thought up in their heads yeah and they have the pocketbooks to make it happen. Oh yeah, I was going to say they they can afford anyone. Yeah. They want really. So I honestly maybe there's one or two other people they had in mind besides the rock, but I feel like in the end the rock was going to be the person they were going to get to play this character. Yeah. No matter what it cost. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Emily. I, I think she's just as fantastic. Um, I've, I've seen her in several other things, but she's not to me like a, like a top, she's probably top tier as far as awards and stuff. Yeah. She's such a f- fantastic actress, but to me, she's not, if you said like name five actresses that are popular these days, I don't know that Emily Blunt would be on that list. I, uh, she's, fa- she's fantastic in everything that I've seen her in, but she doesn't, she's not necessarily front of mind. But boy, this movie like just really catapulted her up in my mind now. Like she's one of my favorite actresses yeah. working now. Um, she's so good. Um, her character is way more nuanced than I thought she was going to be. As we go into the movie, I thought, okay, about a third of the way in, that's probably all we're going to learn about her. And then like they tr- we turn the page and there's more to learn about her and mm-hmm. more of her backstory. And you know that you know she doesn't she doesn't know how to swim that comes back around at the end, towards the end of the movie. Like they did such a good job of making us feel related to her. Like she's very relatable. Yeah. And I was rooting for her the whole time because they, at the, I mean, the very first scene in the movie is how she is extremely intellectual, like can, can go tit for tat with any of the men that are in her profession. But just because it's 1916 and she's a woman, yeah. like she just is never going to be given the same, opportunities that a man will, will get at, at that time. And um, so like from the very beginning, you're like, Hey, you know, give her a chance, whatever. But then when you see her like really take charge and like really kind of be like the leader of the, of the siblings of the two of them, yeah. Um, like th- throughout the whole movie, you're, you're like, I-, I want this, I want this girl to succeed at every corner. Like she, she deserves to have it all. Yeah. So for sure. Um, I mean, from, the first scene to where she's like sneaking around trying to get um, the arrowhead. It's just like, I'm going to enjoy this character to begin with. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, she's being underestimated, but I mean, she really is a likable character. Yeah. And, um, this is, maybe the third thing I've seen Emily Blunt in with Mary Poppins and into the woods being the other ones. Okay. And this is the one that I'll remember the most from, I know she's known for a quiet place as well, which I haven't seen that those movies yet. Yeah. But I mean, she does a fantastic job and I think, um, Lily is a very likable relatable character like you said yeah um let's talk about um derivation the movie is very derivative of some very popular franchises uh we mentioned pirates earlier i think that's an easy comparison Mm -hmm. to make 
Um, cause it, it literally is just the next ride made into a movie. Yep. Um, but, but I think it's, it's more than that. I, I, I think, like I said, the villains, the, the crew, Aguirre's crew, like, I mean, it's basically the, this, the first pirates movie where the undead come mm-hmm. back. <laughs> Um, and they all have, you know, personalities and names kind of like that crew, the pirate crew. Yeah. So, you know, there's some comparisons to be made. I think the biggest, um, derivative is really Indiana Jones. And I, did you get Indiana Jones vibes as you were watching it? Yeah. It was like almost constant for me. I would say the two that besides pirates of the Caribbean, obviously the two that I would go back to is the mummy and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I did think about the mummy once or twice. I mean, it, there it could be, be a little national treasure. Okay, when you when you mentioned like her going in and stealing the arrowhead, yeah, I, I definitely got national treasure vibes from that scene, and I think there was another scene later that happened later where yeah. I was thinking about that. But I mean, like I said, and we've already talked about, I feel like this movie does stand well on its own because there's enough. Yeah, it is kind of similar to these other movies. But there's enough to get you through the door, I feel like. Yeah. I When I got done watching the movie... And these, I, these movies that it's being compared to are great movies of their own. Yeah. So it's not like a bad thing that they're taking a line out of Indiana Jones or The Mummy. Because, <laughs> I mean, The Mummy, at least the original one, did very well. And... I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is regarded as probably one of the greatest movies of all time. So yeah, so I, <laughs> I so at the end of the movie, and I'll demonstrate it here with a kind of a funny anecdote. But um, the serious thing after I finished the movie, I was like, okay, it's, it's definitely derivative. Is it too derivative? Is mm-hmm. is I think the more important question, um, or is it okay? The amount of derivation is okay. So and then let me, I'll tell you the funny thing. So like I was talking to Jessica my wife about it and she's i said it's she said what so what kind of movie is it because like i don't know if she'd even seen a trailer so um i said you know i said it's very similar to indiana jones and i kind of started describing it i said i said i said stop me if you've seen this movie movie before um an archaeologist is trying to find uh, some kind of spiritual uh, like super uh, super uh, you know, above the spiritual or the supernatural. Uh, supernatural. I couldn't think of the word. Thank you. I was drowning there for a second. <laughs> um, some kind of supernatural object um, has to risk life and limb to go into like you know tropical like s- some unknown nation to to find it. Uh, like s- semi Nazi Germans are like chasing it. The and tra- bad guys yeah. <laughs> want it for world domination. Yeah, to 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 win the war. Uh, but the good guy wants it for you know museums and you know the good of of, of you know the globe everywhere. She's like, really? The, is that what the movie's about? I was like, kind of. <laughs> and and you know once you once you reduce it down to that thing, it's like okay, wow, this yeah, this is basically an Indiana Jones movie. But then when you get into like the characters and their motivations and the whole, I mean, this is super spoilery to say, hopefully you've seen the movie once I say this, but once you realize that Frank is a 400 year old, like he is part of the lore of this thing that, that he was with, he was one of the gears yeah. men that's revealed about two thirds of the way through the movie. I didn't see that reveal coming. I and, honestly didn't even think about that. Yeah. Cause they, they did a good job of, of making you feel, well, let me finish my thought. 
it, it's it's different enough. It's sep- I think it's because of those things, it separates itself. This is it's not trying to be Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Is it inspired from Indiana Jones? Yes. Would it, would we have this movie if it wasn't for Indiana Jones? Probably not. But I I think that it is distancing itself enough with all these little nuances and differences, and that I think the humor is very different from Indiana Jones. There's a couple parts where it crosses over, but I think for the most part, I think it's going for a different kind of funny. And um, I think the action is, um, you know, just as excitable, but is more um, ensemble based. It's not like the, the Indian Genesis movies is about indie versus the world. Mm-hmm. And that's not what this movie is trying to do at all. It's, it's about like this whole cast, right? So, and then the headhunters and how important they are to the story. Yeah. There are major differences between this movie and Indiana Jones. Let me go back to what I was saying a second ago. So the, um, um, the fact that he is like tied to the river, it, they did such a great job of fooling the audience into thinking that the reason, at least the reason I came up with in my mind was financial. He like, he, yeah. he came here in search of this thing. He's mm-hmm. not 400 years old. He's, 50 years years old or however old the rock is and got stuck here because he spent all of his money, never found the arrowhead or the tears and basically couldn't afford to leave. Like he, he has to like, and you know, Nilo is taking all of his money. Like he, he literally can't come up with the funds to go back to wherever he's from. Like whatever country he's from. I mean, honestly, one of the first things I kind of thought about was, and why this never even came close was I was like, okay, this is going to be the jungle cruises, Jack Sparrow down on his luck because at the beginning of the pirates movie, Jack Sparrow's kind of down on his luck. Not much is going for him. Yeah. And he's kind of on his last gamble. Yeah. And I mean, I'll maybe contribute to, me being on the rebound from my wisdom teeth. But I, I mean, I honestly didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming I, either. I didn't even think of it as a possibility. Well, and until like, obviously when he quote unquote dies the first time, yeah, I knew he was going to come back. Sure. But that still never crossed my mind that he, he was one of them. I, I thought he would come back in some kind of like headhunters use some kind of magic kind of way. Like yeah. I, I never for, if you give me an hour to come up with possibilities, I don't think I ever would have come up with he's one of Aguirre's men because yeah. he's a good guy and like, you know, doesn't seem related to them at all. Like, I mean, they're like hideous monsters and he's not like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just didn't even think that was a possibility. Once we got to that moment, the moment where he's saying, let me tell you my story. At that moment, my mind exploded and it was, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, they are making a huge story beat here that I never thought they would ever put into a film like this. Like I about 30 or 40 minutes into it. I was like, I I know exactly what movie we're going to get. This is going to be pulp fiction. It's it's not going to be anything of weight or substance or meat. We got to that scene. I was like, Oh my gosh, there is a, there's a whole 400 year history that's leading up to this movie. They are going for the, the 90 mile mile an hour fastball with this movie. I w I was not expecting that, that they would go that far with it. Like they really thought about like, let's build a world here mm-hmm. and not just a single movie. like, that's why they're absolutely going to make sequels is because there is a lot more story to tell. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't even know really how to put it into words, but I mean, like it was definitely kind of like a mic drop moment. 
Like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, to Caitlin when this was happening. But in my mind, I was just like, I did not see that coming. Yeah. And like those that have listened to the show and you know this, I'm usually pretty good when it comes to predictions and seeing where this is going. Yeah. But I will go on record saying I had no idea that that was going to happen. What what a great way to have a twist in a movie. Because like if you go see like a M. Night Shyamalan movie, like mm-hmm. the entire film, he just released one a couple weeks ago. The entire film, you're like, okay, where's the twist? What's going on here? Things are not as they seem. I went into this movie thinking there's not going to be any twist. Yeah. Like this is not a twist kind of movie. And then when the, we got to that big moment, I was like, bravo. Like yeah. w- well done. Like I, I, I guarantee you nobody saw that. So um, yeah, what a great, what a great thing. Um, and it fits in the world. Like the, the, everything I, I was talking to a coworker about it today. Everything, everything fits. It's like this, this puzzle mm-hmm. that you piece together. And by the end of it, it's like, I have all the pieces and they all fit together perfectly. Like I, there was no, uh, do I have still have questions? Yeah. Like I want to know more about like the shape shifting spirits and things that we don't know everything about yet. And we'll probably get that in future movies. But, um, there, there was nothing about what was explained to me that I was like, that doesn't quite make sense in the world that you guys were creating. Like everything like just fit. Yeah. Um, is that to say that there's not like some, some weirdness and like unexplained things like, the fact that they were able to drive a submarine like into the middle of Brazil like <laughs> is really stupid. So I'm not saying that like it's a perfect movie as far as like mm-hmm. believability, but it everything everything came together in the end. And I was like, okay, I understand everything everything yeah. you wanted me to learn, I learned it and you taught me well. So And unlike Caitlin and I when we were leaving the theater, she was like, Well, the one thing that kind of gets me is that the tree really didn't play a huge role. And she's like, why do you think they didn't really go after it more? And I just said, the, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure. And then I thought about it more. And I really do think that the reason they didn't go after it more is they saw basically because of this tree, how much evil can come from it. And I think they just decided that's better to just be left alone. Are you talking about the headhunter yeah. people? I forget their actual name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it would be great to heal these people. And a lot of good could be done from it. But a lot of bad could be done from it, too. Yeah. Yeah, Um we haven't talked really at all about Jesse Plemons's character. He's the, uh, he, I forget how he pronounces it, but his name is basically Joaquin. Um, yeah. I think it's like Joaquin or something like yeah. that. Whatever. I'm, I'm just going to call him Joaquin. I mean, when he shows up in that submarine and he's just <laughs> doing a little wave, it's just like, dude, he's a psychotic character. Yeah. He's great. Um, he, he's, I, to me, he's a little, a little too cheeky sometimes. Like yeah. I, from, from a villain, I like to see a little bit more like this movie's very family friendly. So I think that's what it was going for. But like he, he's, I prefer like a little bit more sinister than, than he is. Although he does like, 
you know, fire a machine gun and torpedoes at them. Oh yeah. <laughs> trying to kill them. But like, uh, anyway, he's a little silly sometimes, but, um, I think Jesse Plemons knocks it out of the park. He does a really good job. And, um, the fact that hit the whole premise for him is like to be able to like heal their soldiers in war. Like it really mm-hmm. is going to give them the yeah. le- leg up that they need to win the world war one basically. So, um, it makes sense for why, why he wants it. And her motivation makes sense to me as well. Like uh, everyone's uh, reason for doing what they're doing makes sense. Even Frank's reason, like how he, you know, came there 400 years ago with Agira and, um, was trying to search for this thing that would heal his daughter and then realized that, you know, he wasn't game for like what they were going to do. Cause they were like yeah. going to kill all the headhunter people to get to it. Um, and he was, he was, I'm not on board for that. And he fought against them. And mm-hmm. then that's how, you know, and then for the next, what, what was it like a hundred years or something? He's battling Agira and, but he can't, neither one of them can die. So it's just like this, um, Highlander kind of thing of like just fight, fight, fight like over the over the you know decades yeah. until he comes up with this idea to shove them down into like the sinkhole type of thing yeah. where it's away from the river and then the branches pull them in and they're basically trapped for all time. I'm like, I love all of this. Like all that lore is so cool. So it was really really neat. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely would think that if Walt were still alive. He would say, well done. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think he could ever imagine that this type of movie could be made from it. Yeah. But, I mean, we just, I mean, I feel like you and me glow over the job that Disney does. Yeah, they have had some clunkers. But, I mean, overall, they just do so well. I mean, the people that they have working for them are definitely some of the best in the business. Yeah, they have some of the best writers. They have the, some of the best directors. Um, they have some of the best producers. They have some of the best PR and like, um, you know, uh, marketing teams. Yeah, like it's amazing. I, they they have so much money at this point. I, they're almost unstoppable. Like I don't know that anyone can really match their output. Um, so yeah, and th- and this 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 movie is is like point in case for that because this movie should not have worked. Like yeah. th- this movie should not have been great. Cause it's literally based on a four and a half minute ride uh-huh. at, at <laughs> two of their parks. I mean, I, I guess it's on Paris or whatever yeah. other parks too. I but, think it's actually, I think I read somewhere that it's actually in every, park. Oh, all of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause they, during the documentary, they we skipped over that, but they were talking yeah. about how it's in like, Hong, was it Hong Kong or it was on yeah, the, it's in, in Hong Asian. Kong. Yeah. Yeah. But it's co- totally, it's a totally different ride yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it, this movie should not have worked as well as it did. And, and, and I was, that's uh, interesting. You brought that up. I was talking to Jessica about that. Cause she's like, why do you, th- why do you think this movie works so well? Like, I, you know, like books get adapted into movies and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Video game movies are, t- are historically terrible. And I said, I think it works because there isn't a lot of source material. Like oh, yeah. it's, it, it's actually the opposite of what you would think. Like more source material, I think is a hindrance to making yeah, a good film. Sure. Um, now you can point to Harry Potter and some exceptions, but I, I think for the most part, a book made into a movie is really difficult. Yeah. And the, you, uh, sorry to interrupt no, go for you, it. but th- you're expecting something from it. With Pirates of the Caribbean and Jungle Cruise and even Haunted Mansion, um, which I haven't seen that movie. I haven't either, But there is so much unknown from that. I mean, they took a character in Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean and 
uh, Skipper Frank in Jungle Cruise, you had never even heard of them. <laughs> they weren't on the ride or anything. Yeah. And they created this whole world where Harry Potter, which those are my favorite films of all time. I'm yeah. just going to say that. I love yeah. Harry Potter. Those are the best. But are there parts of Harry Potter that I wish they would have put in the movies? Of course. Mm. And that's why it almost is like a ball and chain, those books. Because like we talk about like um, one of those films, for instance, Artemis Fowl fell flat. Oh, yeah. Because, um, and I feel like another one of my favorites is a series of unfortunate events. And that first movie with Jim Carrey, they tried to fit too much in. But it's almost like when they have that book, people obviously are going to see that movie because they've read the books and they love it. But it's almost a double-edged sword right there. Yeah. Because if you don't get to that point, people are going to hate it. Yeah. And um, I feel like a series of unfortunate events kind of, I mean, Jim Carrey is awesome and what he does, but they kind of like took a step back and then they had that Netflix series where they went in depth for each book. So they kind of saw their mistake and they made up for it. And honestly, I mean, there's Lord of the Rings, um, the hunger games, but and then Harry Potter. But outside of that, there really aren't movies that just blow their fans out of the water. It's hard. It's hard to do, I think. I think you have to have a very, very talented cast of producers to even attempt it. Yeah. Um, and But this, I think, is relatively easy. I mean, it could flop just as easily as it could succeed, but... I think I think there, it's more in the cards to make a good movie off of something that's very short. Let me throw out an, another example because this actually is a book made into a movie. They made a movie version recently of the Lorax. Yeah, um, we've watched that movie several times. I watched it with Jordan, and I th- that's one of the few movies I actually pay attention to and watch because mm-hmm. it's hilarious. It's a really good story, but it's based on a thirty-two page children's book. Yeah. Like th- there isn't a lot in the in the original source material to. F- to pad out to a two hour mo- or an hour and a half movie. So they have to intelligently tell you a great story that builds on and adds mm-hmm. to the original source material. Well, now you're giving license, poetic license to the writers of the movie, where as opposed to just like, oh, take take the book and just adapt it. Yeah. It's like, well, no, you actually have to craft a story. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we get with Jungle Cruise. And it's a success, man. It's a hit. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be, this is not going to be, a high Academy Award winning movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of teased at it earlier, but it has like a 63% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. I think Grant's not, Grant, you're hearing Grant and I glow about it higher than that. Um, but I think this movie is going to be very popular with just fan, like um, moviegoers, like the average Joes like us. I mean, we're yeah. not, Grant and I aren't serious critics. Like we, I think more, more the non-critics are going to dig in, dig deep into this movie and love it than like the serious, you know, Roger and Ebert kind of people. But I mean, I feel like this movie left me with the same feels as the same time when I left the theater for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's how I felt too. And I mean, for those of you that are park lovers and Disney 
in general. I mean, I think this definitely hits home. And because so many people, if you've been to the parks, you can talk about your experiences on these rides. And then you go and watch this movie where, yes, there is a skipper, but it's opening a whole new world. Yeah. Um, let me cha- change gears here just for a second. Um, so I got to the end of the movie and I, I was talking about it with, um, you know, later after I watched it with a coworker and he was saying, um, what, you know, what'd you think? And I, I was, oh, I was great. I, he loved it too. And we we're kind of talking about it. And I say, um, I was like, man, that was, um, that was pretty good for like a PG movie. And he says, was it PG? And I said, wait, was it PG 13? And he said, uh, I think it was PG 13. We had to look it up. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. It's a, it's a PG 13 movie. Um, there are no cuss words in the entire film. That's two hours long. There's not not a single cuss word in the the film. Uh, at at the end, uh, Joaquin uh, utters an expletive in German, (laughs) but I mean, I don't count that. Okay. So there's no, there's no expletives in the movie. There's absolutely nothing, nothing like adults, nudity, that, that, that kind of stuff. Um, there's, there's a lot of violence, but there's almost no blood. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, the, at one point Frank gets impaled with a spear. The spear literally goes all the way through his chest and there's no blood, yeah. <laughs> like not even on his shirt. So like I, I got to the end of the movie. And I was like, that is one of the cleanest, like family friendly PG. Th- it's a PG 13 movie, but I would still call it family friendly. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And, and it's it, that, that wows me as well. Like that they were able to, to tell an exciting, engaging, tense, sometimes tense story. Like mm-hmm. when she's un- under the water and like literally about to suffocate to mm-hmm. death and trapped in that, I was like, I was greeting my teeth. Like I was yeah. just like, how is she going to get out of this? And, um, you know, they're passing oxygen by kissing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's rife with romance and stuff like that too. I was like, this is brilliant. Like I, I can't, I don't know how they're able to keep it family friendly and yet keep me engaged and like worried for the character, like for their safety and their yeah. well-being. Like it is, they were masters at just crafting this thing. And I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't even know. Like when Pirates of the Caribbean, I think that was one of the first PG thirteen movies I saw. I think I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, this movie, I could see like a 10 year old or a nine year old. I mean, as long as like the, if you've seen Harry Potter, it's pretty much, I mean, it's not on the same level as Harry Potter. I'm not going there. Yeah. I mean, I would, I wouldn't hesitate. I mean, if they've seen like snake type movies where there might be a couple like scary moments, I mean, I'd say, like you said, very fa- family friendly. Yeah, it's it's got some um, undead, you know, undead. It's not like it's a you know, completely s- not scary movie, but like I mean, Harry Potter is darker. Like yeah. there's there's dark magic in that mm-hmm. in those movies, and this nothing in this really I think escalates to that level. It's um, the the CGI is really good with the you know the. the that one guy that's made of bees and another yeah. guy that's made of snakes. And, um, and yet it all feels so fanciful and not like overbearing mm-hmm. or occultish or anything like that. It's just, these guys have been around for 400 years and they've, their bodies have been yeah. molded into these things. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, so I, I thought all the action was really good. Um, 
very fast paced, uh, had some humor built into it. Like when they accidentally punch each other in the face or something like that, all that stuff was really good. Um, that the only, uh, so I, I like, I'm like the theme guy on the show. Like I try to like think of like, okay, what is this movie trying to teach? Like what's mm-hmm. the, the moral, the, the lesson that we were to learn from this movie. Um, that's the only thing where I was just like, I don't know that there was like a really strong, yeah. uh, like moral to the story. I in mean, this one. if I had to like pick a negative for this movie, yeah. um, it would just kind of be, I mean, like I understand why the ending was the way it was, but I mean, if I had to nitpick, that would be where it's at. Just how the movie kind of ended and not really like deep diving into how Frank survived. Like when she saves his life. Yeah. And I mean, but it's obvious how it happened. But I mean, if I were to take a negative, it would just be kind of like how that final sequence really ended. Yeah, it is a little nebulous at the end. Um, I have a couple nitpicks with it. Um, they're really minor, but so I talked about how I think great the CGI is on, especially the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be honest, like half of this movie is CGI, like yeah. all the background shots, like it's all just computer generated. Um, most of it I think looks really good. I thought the Proxima, the 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 Jaguar CGI yeah. was really suspect in a couple spots where okay. I was, was like, that that looks like a computer image on top of real backgrounds. Okay. Like I could see it in the in the world, especially like at the beginning of the movie when they're in the bar hotel yeah. or whatever it was. That that CGI to me looked really bit off. There's another part where there's like some little tiny little tree frogs d- jumping on lily pads. Okay, and it, that looked terrible. Like it looked like. 1995 toy story to me like yeah so so it was weird to me it was jarring when some of the other cgi looked really really good Mm -hmm. uh like some of the best i've ever seen uh mixed with some other like some scenes that just needed a little bit more polish and just didn't have it so that that was kind of a negative for me um uh i did think a couple scenes were a little too silly for me like when the when (laughs) i mean it's funny but like when when uh, Joaquin is talking to the bee and the bee is like answering him by like flying yeah. north or south or like east, west for no. I was like, okay, that, that that's a little silly. Yeah, but. I think that was one of the scenes that I would agree with you. That I was like, okay, maybe we're getting a little too childish with this. But I mean, I, I'm not one that really looks at the CGI too far. So I didn't really notice that type of stuff. But I mean, I I think this movie is well done. Oh yeah, I I couldn't. I mean, if those, if those are my only nitpicks with the movie, I you can tell um, I was pretty much over the moon with it. Um, there wasn't really ever a lull for me. Like there was yeah. never. Sometimes you you watch those movies that have like a dip in the action, and you're kind of like, all right, let's move it along, people. But I mean, the movie's almost. I mean, it's before credits. I think it. I think it's right at two hours, mm-hmm. like just two hours even. And boy, that flew by for me. Um, yeah. There was always something, some kind of movement. We were learning more about the map or the location of the tiers or they get to the headhunter village and you know, you think that they're going to die. <laughs> you know, like the, he knows, he knows Trader Sam's and it was Trader Sam's like the only named character in the ride. Yeah. But like Trader Sam's like going to kill them all. 
um, you find out that he can't die. And then there's like the, they split up and then Joaquin get, you know, gets, uh, McGregor on, on his, uh, I mean, there's always something happening in yeah. the movie. And I, it, I, I felt like the pacing was just perfect. Um, really, really good. So, yeah. I mean, any other, um, just kind of big, I uh, mean, impressions. We, of we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but, one of my favorite scenes we haven't really talked about favorite scenes yeah, yeah. is just that first scene where um Frank is impersonating uh, uh what's Paul Giamatti's Oh yeah I forgot about that and scene It's just like of course he has the parrot and he's just like <laughs> Frank owes me money and <laughs> Lily's just like who's Frank Oh I don't know I it's hard to tell what that bird's saying and it's just and then she's like, oh, you can't get into this cabinet? Oh, yeah, I've been having trouble with that. And <laughs> I mean, just even like the stick with the Jaguar coming in with it all being staged. I love that. Oh, it's so Because good. it's pretty much just like the ride. Yeah. Where everything yeah. is staged. Yeah, I didn't think about and that. It's, it's fantastic. That's a great point. And... He's a swindler. Like yeah. he, he really like he he makes his living off of tricking people. And so I, I think that's kind of why a lot of people won't see the plot twist coming, because all you think is this guy's a con man. Yeah, exactly. And he's just trying to make money off of people. I mean, he the first five minutes of his interaction with Lily is literally haggling yeah. over, over price, mm-hmm. like. 10,000, 10, I'll do it for 15, I'll do it for 20, I'll do it for 12. Like, it's, yeah, he's clearly only into this for the money. He doesn't care about her or her mission. Yeah. But then you find out later, it's like, no, he cares deeply about this. In fact, he was trying to get the tears of the moon before she was, long yeah. before she was. So, for sure. Yeah, and, it's all really cool. And it's just one of those things where... And there's it, some great lines in this movie too. Like, yeah. at one point, she speaking to that, she's, she says, um, she's like, you're, you're like this really terrible onion. Like I just keep mm-hmm. peeling back layers of you, and every time I peel back a layer, I find find more rotten onion. <laughs> like just yeah. they they really have this like a lot of romantic comedies do is this kind of they kind of hate each other at first, mm-hmm. um, and then come to love each other. And I think the romance is is sprinkle and just at the right amount. Like it's yeah. it's not the focus of the movie at all. It's not a romantic movie. Um, but it has romance and it's believable and it feels right and it feels natural. It doesn't feel forced to me. Like I, yeah. I was really impressed. And I mean, it. I mean, we've talked about the formula of Pirates of the Caribbean, and Pirates of the Caribbean. We of course had Emma Swan, Jack Sparrow, Will Turner. In this, oh. we get Frank, Lily, and uh, McGregor. McGregor. So yeah, good point. I mean, it's just they. It's it's a little formu- formulaic, but the formula works. So why not yeah. use it? Like and so, I mean, it's just one of those things where um, we've talked about other rides that don't really have movies. Um, you, I mean, maybe I'd be up for a Space Mountain movie. I mean, yeah, that's kind of uncharted territory. And then I also think of like the Matterhorn bobsleds. Yeah, and then Big Thunder Mountain. I mean, there's. There's, movies out there yeah. that could be made too. Yeah, there's a lot more that they could do for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a total win for Disney. Yeah. I, it's, it'll be one of their biggest movies of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you don't include Marvel or yeah. Star or Star Wars, which I mean, Star Wars is, it's really just the shows that are on Disney plus this year. So, um, but I mean, if you love the parks, I'll say it again. If you love the parks, this movie's a no brainer for you. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, a rock fan or Emily Blunt. <laughs> it's a no brainer. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to watch it. I, this, I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but like if Jessica wants to watch this in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably watch it again. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's just a good time. Like it's very entertaining. Yeah. So, and I mean, this will be the last time I say it, but this gives you the same feels that like when you watch the first pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I, I really think that th- that's what they were going for. And in my opinion, they, they nailed it. Yeah. They, they absolutely achieved what they were going for. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, I hope to see more. Um, I don't know. I know I did read one article this morning where they were saying that uh, Dwayne was let, had let loose that they were already talking about, like yep. they, they were, he was in a meeting about a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's a given. I think it's just a matter of time. Um, oh yeah. For you know, sure. Once they get the right, the correct writers and the production crew. And so I think they'll just, they'll just go ahead and do it. Um, I, I would like to see more of this and less of pirates. Like just oh, yeah. maybe just give up on pirates and, and do this. Now that I've seen jungle cruise, I just don't, I don't need pirates anymore. Like we have, we have jungle cruise. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those movies where, cause this kind not quite to the extreme of black widow, but this got delayed like two or three times as well. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like, you know what Disney was doing. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That would, what a great time to, to release the movie. Like as, I mean, I know Delta's, you know, ramping up mm. and people are getting sick and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as like a time of, of this year to release like this, this is really like the best time to even try it. And Disney plus premiere is going to make them a lot of money too. So, all right. Well, uh, Still have one more review, and then we'll we'll get into all of our. This is gonna be a long show. Um, we're gonna get into our um, our other segments at the end as well. But um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on High School Musical, the musical, the series, season yeah. two. But I do want to kind of. I mean, we've kind of been teasing it all along, and I know mm-hmm. some maybe some people that listen to the show have been watching High School Musical, and I think. To, just to leave it as like not even discussing it, I think is a mistake. Like I, I think if if nothing else, I just for my my soul needs it my soul needs to discuss yeah. this thing and and put it in our rearview mirror um so we talked about the first four episodes already i don't want to go through that and i don't want to go episode by episode i just want to talk about like about like the second half of the season just in one big conversation okay and we can shoot for you know 15 minutes or so if, if, if you're listening to this and you just don't care skip ahead 15 20 minutes and <laughs> go to the end of the show uh kind of stuff that we'll, we'll kind of shoot for that time um, let, give me your overall thoughts just so I, I know where your headspace is at. What, what, um, com- compare the season to first season, compare the second half to the first half. Um, I would definitely say I love season one. It was so much better than season two. And honestly, there were moments in season two where I wasn't even going to finish it. And I would say, um, because we watched the first five episodes and then I kind of take took a hiatus because I just, there was no conflict really, like we've talked about. And 
I mean, I just thought it was a train wreck. And then, of course, I had my surgery, and we binge-watched the last seven episodes. And I definitely do think those last seven episodes were better, but I don't think it was enough to save the season. I think the season was already lost after the first five episodes. Yeah, I, th- I think you and I are just about linked uh, perfectly as far as like how we felt about yeah. this, this season. Um, I, there is something to be said for could could any season of the show top what they did in the first season? I think the first season was nearly perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> of a show. Um, but I think with the right team of writers, anything's possible. Yeah. They, I've, I've seen other shows where they outdo themselves again and again, so why couldn't this show uh, benefit from that as well? I really, I don't think I went in... I watched the first season of this show literally days, <laughs> like mm-hmm. days before yeah. the first episode of season two came out. And so it's not like I had like this pent up like, oh, I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. I literally just finished it, the, yeah. the first season, just a few days before. So I didn't have a lot of like anticipation. And yet I f- still felt like like whatever anticipation I had for the second season was just not even met, not even close, yeah. especially the first half. Now I will say I'm basically just repeating what you said, but the second half of, of season two is much better than the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it. our biggest, if, if listeners of the show, if you've been following us probably remember our biggest gripe with the first four episodes of this, of the series was there's no tension. There's no yeah. drama. There's no conflict. Like, where is the conflict in this show? The the biggest conflict was that Nini was physically, geographically estranged yeah. from Ricky. But th- it's like, okay, well, I, they're long distance dating. That's not a big deal. Uh, all these other couples were happy, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm not saying like I love misery. I'm just saying like, give me something, some kind of conflict that the characters have to overcome for me to stay engaged in the show. And everyone was just happy with each other. And I was just like, where, where are we going? Like what's, yeah. And so like for me, there were two, there were two things and there's probably others too that I'm forgetting, but there were two things that I was definitely like, I was like someone hanging from the edge of a cliff was like just gripping onto for dear life just to keep me engaged in the show. One of them was the East high versus North high. And I, I actually really liked the episode where they go to North high, like they, they change the scenery yeah. and actually go to the North high school and do that little like espionage kind of thing mm-hmm. where they're stealing. It kind of reminded me, this is really random, but it reminded me of the mighty ducks uh, yep. show episode where they have to like go and steal like mm-hmm. gear from. The- yeah. So anyways, they, they break in to North, North high and sneak around and they're trying to find like this, you know, beast head or that they think they've stolen, that they've stolen. And it turns out the kids haven't stolen it, but other shenanigans are going on. And, um, the rivalry between the schools, I think, was was fun. It never quite got to the level that I thought they were going go to go. I needed with it. more. Yeah, it, I feel the exact same way. the 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 height of it was really the dance off scene, yeah. which was silly but also kind of fun to watch. Um, but that is as as bad as it ever got. Uh, yeah. The only um, is her name also Lily. Yep. Okay. the 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 Lily character in the show, in the, not in the movie anymore, but the show, um, is the the most tense that it ever got. But we never got to know anyone else from the North high cast except for the French dude and the guy that works at the pizza place. Yeah. Howie. Um, and they're both relatively nice. Like even the French guy is like so silly and laughable. You can't really get mad at him. And Lily is just so evil that she's almost not even believable as a human. Like who who would be like this? Like when she steals Ricky's zip line or what, whatever you want to call it. But 
there's never a retribution yeah. for that. So it's just like it never gets brought up again. They they really almost promised us, I, I would say, that there was going to be this big rivalry between the sh- the, the schools and it, it never ascended to that. The, the, yeah. the biggest, the, the, I think the parts of the show that I thought found the most um, intriguing were when they were at North High mm-hmm. doing espionage or when they were doing a dance-off. But then once that dance-off was over, it never comes back again. Yeah. Not until you see Lily in the audience and she's really just there to observe. Like there's not really any like, you know, she's not like trying to tank the show or anything like that. Yeah. So it's, it's super bizarre. Because we compare My Ducks game changers. But the thing that is different in this is the My Ducks are always there in pretty much every episode yeah. of that. The bad guys, yeah. There's some sort of thing that the My Ducks are doing. And in High School Musical season two, you get probably one episode and that's it. Yeah. That's a good point. Out of a 12-episode season, you get one episode. Yeah. I was really disappointed. I, I, What we got was cool, but it wasn't enough. And, I mean, the biggest aggravating thing for me that made the season pretty much, like, I mean, I know we're going to get a season three, which I've gone on record saying, please, please do not do a season three. But we are going... I mean, it hasn't been announced. It's coming. But it's coming for sure. But the biggest thing for me is, in the end, the Mankeys meant nothing. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So can I confess something to you? I don't, I don't want yeah. you to feel bad. I had not actually seen that episode okay. when you texted me. That said, I, I care zero yeah. about spoilers on this show. But yeah, you, you texted me that the Mankeys meant nothing, and I hadn't gotten to that part yet. When I when I got to it and understood what you had texted, I was like, "He's totally right." Yeah. I the, this what a waste. Like why why even why why make a do, much ado mm-hmm. throughout the entire season for it to mean absolutely nothing? It was it was so weird, man. I the fact and here's here I almost I got borderline angry at, at this one part in that at, at the end of that episode. The entire season, the entire season, Grant. We've been told that Miss Jen only cares about the Mankeys. Almost to the detriment yeah. of the actors. Like at one point she tells Ricky to jump off of a high thing, yeah. right? So like she is going insane about the Mankeys and is all consuming and she's forgetting about these these people that she loves. She gets to the end of it. She's holding the envelope. They find, they're gonna about to find out if they got any nominations at all, that kind of thing, whatever. And the, the kids, all they have to do is look, at, look her in the eye and say, We've already won. And then she goes, yeah, you're right. Rip. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? That, that Talking about a unearned d- divergence from her character yeah. that they had built, built us up for 11 episodes up to this point. I, I, was, I was almost furious yeah. after they did that. I was like, you have completely wasted my time on this character. Everything I thought was true about Miss Jen in this in this season. It turns out none of it me- meant anything. Like, what a stupid, stupid ending. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. And, I mean, like you said, they built up to this the whole time. And then it means nothing. And it's just like, we're literally at the same point with Nini 
that we were at the end of season one. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's going to go off and do her own thing. Yeah. And, do, and and their relationship is basically the way, the way it was at the beginning of season one. <laughs> yeah. And do I want to see Ricky and Lily? No. No. I I really hope they don't do that. I mean, they're going to do that. But do I want to see that? No. <laughs> I couldn't believe that they actually made Ricky's character turn around on his opinion on her. At yeah. The end. I was like, that's really stupid. Don't, please don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Are Ricky and Nini going to get back together eventually? Yes. Of I don't know course. that I, I don't know that I care anymore. I yeah. the I ended season 1 thinking Ricky and Nini as far as like relationship is the best one on the entire show. I mean obviously yeah. they were trying to go for that but like they're so cute together and when it, when they're working they're awesome. Like they're like a team. And then of course they wanted to break that all up in this season, which they did it in a really dumb way. Um, I almost like Gina and EJ better. Okay, so that, that was my se- I twenty like fifteen minutes ago, whatever I teased, like two really positive things that I was like hanging onto a cliff. Yeah. W- one was a tension, whatever tension we did get between the schools. The other one, I was pleasantly surprised by EJ and and Gina. Yeah. I I I I kind of loved watching them. Yeah. You know their their rom- romance bud. At the end, they have that that it's typical in a romantic romantic comedy of like you think there's a misunderstanding and it looks like they're going to yeah. step part ways but then they quickly pull that out and then they shove them back together and they Gina gets her first kiss with EJ and yeah. I honestly I was bought and sold on the whole thing I I thought the best relationship to watch in the, in this to, to to pay attention to in this season was not Ricky and Nini it yeah. was EJ and Gina I was really surprised by that and it's just like like I think you said best at the end of season two, do I want to see more Ricky and Nini? Not really anymore. I I'm only interested in EJ and Gina now. Yeah, because I think they're so real. Like yeah. that that relationship reminds me of relationships I've been in and my friends were in in high school and college. Like yeah. the 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 meet cute, the you know just missed each other, the uh, awkwardness. You know he's so confident in every other aspect of his life except when he's around her, and um she you know, longs for stability, but can't get it from her mom or she's always moving around all the time and she's going for these big roles in the play, but never gets them. It's like, she just needs something like to stabilize her and to ground her. And EJ is like the perfect person to do that. But then she meets that guy in the airport. It was the airport or train station airport. Airport. And uh, you think like, okay, this is going to disrupt, but it doesn't because her focus on EJ is so strong. And then they pay it off at the end. I was like, yes, yeah, you did it. You you did it with with two these two characters. Like I, I, the the fact that they didn't put more of that in the other characters is just beyond me. And I couldn't honestly. And I'm I try not to harp too much on on other characters because I think they're doing the best they can with the script they've been given. Mm-hmm. But the the Seb Carlos thing I think was dumb, dumb, dumb. I just didn't care. Yeah. It was so superficial and stupid. <laughs> um, the Big Red and whatever tension there was between Big Red and, and Ashlyn. Um, Ashlyn. Um, I think it was so superficial and dumb and really n- not thought through at all. Um, I, I The love triangle between Miss Jen and Ricky's dad and, and Mazzara. Mazzara, I thought was going to become a little more palpable. I'm or sick more, of that. Yeah, I, I'm done with that. I, I couldn't believe how just banal the rest of the interactions were, were, with, were with all those characters. And then the EJ Gina thing was perfect. It was just yeah. like this shining diamond in the middle of all this just 
coal. Like yeah. it was, it was I, I couldn't believe that it happened that way. I mean, going back to the Ricky and Nini thing, um, in my career watching TV shows, I would say there are three power couples for me. Um, one, and they're not Disney related, except one of them is. Um, one would be Chuck and Sarah in the TV show Chuck. Oh, um, yeah. That's a great. Two would be Leonard and Penny in Big Bang Theory. Yeah, great. And then this one relates to Disney. It's Corey and Topanga. Okay. And yeah, out of those good. three relationships, I Nini and Ricky don't come anywhere <laughs> near that. Yeah. I mean, honestly... I know in the end, all three of those couples are going to end up together. And I know Ricky and Nee are going to uh, end up together. But my answer for all three of those that I mentioned was, I want them to end up together. Yeah. For Ricky and Nini, I do not they, care. They don't deserve each other no. at this point. They don't. Nini is so shallow. <laughs> and Ricky could care less. <laughs> I mean, that one episode where Ricky is in Chicago, basically sulking over Nini. I'm just like, get a grip. I don't care. Yeah, what would I be heartbroken if my girlfriend broke up with me? Yes, but it's just like, get a grip. And then, and then Nini, grow up. Yeah, it's dude. She is so shallow. I, you're right. She, the fact that she just, I mean, she seems so in love with Ricky by the end of season one that I was like, there's nothing that could come in between them. They're 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 even like head over heels for each other and like, you know, texting each other kiss emojis like yeah. in season two, and then that all falls apart because she wants a a music career. Yeah, like what? And, and she literally says to him that he wasn't the reason she came back. It's just like. <laughs> This is so stupid. I I think okay. I think some people listening to this may say yes, but it's high school drama. Yeah, like this is this is how high schoolers behave. And to that, I would say you're not wrong. But I I expect more than that. I I don't want to watch the drama that literally took place at my high school. I want to watch like the next level of that and something that has intrigue and yeah and entertainment value and it. it I they I think feel like in this episode, in this season they settled for just high school drama, which is really dumb. Yeah, to begin with. I mean, the big in those couples that I talked about, Corey and Topanga, obviously were in high school too. But the difference is when Corey and Topanga broke up, it was for a legitimate reason. Yeah, and this one was not legitimate, and. There was actually like um, one instance where Corey and Topanga break up is because Corey cheats on her with another girl. Oh, yeah. But, I remember that. I mean, even when they're not together, you you still feel all the heartstrings where there's an instance where you don't think they are going to get back together or will this relationship ever be salvaged? Yeah. And... You feel something with a couple like Corey and Topanga. You feel nothing with Ricky and Nini. Yeah, I agree. I I would be very interested to to know if any of our listeners have an alternate 
opinion because I, I would, I would love to hear, I mean, we're agreeing with each other yeah. all, like back and forth and I would love to hear someone that says, no, 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 this that's not the way I saw it because honestly, like I don't, I don't know how you can see it any other way. I yeah. just, I don't. And, and that's not to say like, if you, if you did feel the other, the opposite of how we feel right into the show, tell us why, tell us why you felt differently. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm not saying you're wrong or we're right. I'm just saying like, that's not how Grant and I took it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't really, I need someone to explain to me how you could take it any other way. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, is it unfair to compare this to boy meets world? Maybe, but I mean, honestly, there really isn't much more you can compare it to. Yeah. I mean, they're going for Disney high school type show. Yeah. And that's what you got with boy meets world. And yes, that's probably one of the most successful shows that Disney will ever make. But I mean, still, I don't know. You're this is kind of the premier high school show on Disney plus right now. It's a new age and I just don't know. It just falls flat for me. Yeah. And am I ecstatic for my ducks game changers season two? Yes, of course. And, but am I excited for a season three of this? No. At this point, I will watch season three just out of curiosity. Yeah. Like just not because I'm excited to watch it, but like just I want to see if they can I mean, dra- drag this thing down even more. I mean, the there were there were three movies. <laughs> so hopefully the third season is all we get. Yeah. And hopefully they move on to something else. I mean, they've been promising a Lizzie McGuire reboot. I I would sign me up for that. Yeah. But I mean, I just and maybe we're being too harsh on this, but I mean, I think we're feeling, being, I think we're being fair on it. I mean, we go back, it, you can go back and listen to our season 1 recap. We were so so high yeah. on the show. Yeah. And season 2 changed everything. Yeah, it really did. I there are very few shows that I are in my memory that where I can think of just such a precipitous fall after the first season. Like if anything, I I, I can think of shows that got better. Like yeah. they, they just season two is better than season one. Season three is better than season two. We are getting the opposite of that here. I I've, there's been very few shows that I've seen just drop off after season yeah. one. If honestly, and I, they won't do this because it's on Disney plus. And again, it's one of the only things they have for this demographic. Mm-hmm. This show would absolutely be canceled if it was on ABC. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, I even think of shows that, I've gotten sick of over time. Once Upon a Time, which is an ABC property. So that's on Disney Plus as well. But I mean, that was after like six seasons that I finally got sick of it. Yeah. The Blacklist, that's on NBC. I'm kind of done with that. But the first six or seven seasons, I was right there for it. But after one season, I mean, it's a new record. you, You kind of hit the hit it on the head. There are very few shows that only get one good season for me. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Can I end on a, a positive sure. note? The okay. music's phenomenal. That, that's, what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. The, so it's not just the music, but the choreography, the dancing, the music videoness of some mm-hmm. of the scenes. Um, I wrote down some of them. Um, Carlos's quinceanera. Gina does a phenomenal performance. Like yeah. it's one of the best in the entire season, in my opinion. It's this like Latin song where she's doing a traditional Latin dance and singing at the same time. 
in the same episode, Seb seen, sings The Climb. Mm-hmm. It's The Climb. Yep. That song, phenomenal. Yep. It's one of the best renditions I've ever heard of that song. Like mm-hmm. he just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, uh, Nini, uh, the Rose song, I thought was really yep. good. Like, th- th- is it like going to be like the next number one hit on the radio? Probably not. But like, Nini, like uh, uh, her name, Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia R- Rodrigo, she's a star. Like yeah. she, she's a good, very good singer. Um, she has the the look and 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 sounds that I think is going to appeal to high school girls in particular. Um, her, I've listened to her album. It's pretty decent. She's she drops some f bombs. So just be aware of that if you're going to listen to it with your kids. Um, but she is a legit, like, very good singer. Yeah. And um, I believe she writes a lot of her own stuff um, for her album. I I think this is true because I, I I'm almost positive. I'm 99 positive. I read it. I think she wrote some of the stuff for the show. Yeah, um, I think you're right. So, like Olivia Rodrigo wrote, yeah. I think the Rose song. Um, and presented it to the producers. They said, we love it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Um, so she, she's a superstar. She's really good. Um, do you remember the Miss Jen and Zach dance number where, where they're dancing together? It's right before yeah. she learns that she's, he's betrayed her, betrayed her. Mm-hmm. But they're dancing like in the, in the choir room yeah. or whatever of North High. And they like are literally dancing on top of the piano and flipping over couches. Mm-hmm. Like, this is amazing. Like, it, yeah. look, it looks so good. Um, they're both really good singers. Um, they do the mob song, which is like the, that's my favorite, and it's like a DJ like EDM yeah. version of it, like electronic dance, and it's awesome. Yeah. Like it's it's better than the original. Yeah, in my you, opinion, if you weren't gonna mention that, I was going to because <laughs> it's so I'm, good. I mean, I love that part, and um, that's one of my I enjoy that song, whether it be in the live action or the cartoon. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, probably my favorite. Mm. Maybe my second favorite in the Beauty and the Beast compared to the Gaston song. But, I mean, it was done. I mean, talk about putting like a modern day spin on it. It was well done. Yeah, this is the Kill the Beast yep. song, right? I mean, it, like it's like that at that moment when they're like, Kill the Beast. Whatever, and it's just like, do, yep. I was like, this is this is a banger. Like I, I love this. I would if you if you were like right now. You're like, hey, you want to listen to the mob song? I'm like, yes. But yep. can we listen to the High School Musical version of it? Mm-hmm. Like it, it was that good. Um, let's see what else did I write down. Um, there's like a, a clever. It, it's it kind of inspired by um, Zoom and and quarantine. Yeah. But like there's that uh, scene where it's during spring break where they're all like estranged from each mm-hmm. other geographically, and they 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 write supposedly Ashlyn writes this song um, called, I think I wrote down eight, see nothing, but it's like, but they're all like on their own individual webcams. I thought that was really clever. Like it's, it's very unique for that kind of thing. Um, Ricky, you know, who knows who actually writes it, but Ricky in the show writes this song. Uh, It's probably called something like I'm, I gotta let you go or something like that. It's like this emotional thing when he's on his spring break uh, thing. He, his voice is really good. He reminds me of a young, Justin Timberlake, like okay. um, go back to like some of the early like in sync kind of sounds. Yeah, of, I can see that of his voice and like I, I legit think like he could have like a solo career mm-hmm. as well. He's he's really really fantastic. So and I'll stop there. But like I know this this kind of sounds counter what we've been saying. I think the music in season two is maybe better than season one. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. The the season one I think 
is maybe more impactful for you if you have a lot of nostalgia for the original high school musical movie. But I don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought the originals and some of the remakes of the Beauty and the Beast stuff was all... There was maybe one song in the entire season that that fell flat for me. I I, I really thought like all the, the choreography and, and the dance and everything like that, it was all really, really good. Yeah. So, and, and that's why, that's why it makes, I don't want, I didn't want to end on a downer, but like that, that's why it makes the, the lack of drama, like good drama writing, yeah. even that more egregious. Cause I'm like, you guys are so good at some of this other performative stuff. Why can't you nail the other part, which should be easy for you. Like it seems like the choreography and the writing and the singing should be the hard part, but you guys nail that. And then yeah. you can't, you can't get the writing. I would say the biggest question mark you would have when approaching season two is, can, is the music enough to save season two? And yeah, I, I just don't think it is. It wasn't enough for this season for yeah. me. Um, I, I, I would, I'm not joking. I, I would legit listen to some of the soundtrack of, of this season yeah. on Spotify. Like it, yeah, it's, it's very really, good, really good music, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. I like, I, I, I'm interested to see what that happens from season three, but we may not even cover it on the show. Honestly, if, when it comes out, we'll see. But And one lat, I'll leave a positive. Yeah, yeah please um, do. This came in the first half. But the bell song, we yes. we talked about it on previous episodes, how it's just like the Pitch Perfect yeah. uh, tryouts in the first Pitch Perfect movie. And that's phenomenal as well. Yeah. I And then my one last thing on the show, and then I'll probably think of the other things on future episodes that we didn't say, but um, I love that they committed to Ashlyn as Belle for the entire season. Yeah. They, they never, I think our prediction was like, that's that role, she's going to, like literally break a leg or yeah. something. And then that's going to be given to Nini. It's so obvious. They never did that. Like yeah. Nini was cast as like the spoon or something. She was originally the rose, the fork. Oh yeah. The fork, which she was yeah. before season one. Anyway. Um, and, but they, they stuck to their guns and Ash, they were like, Nope, Ashlyn's she's bell. Like she doesn't have the, quote the look, you know, and, and that's not me, me yeah. being mean. Like she says that in the show, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I love that they committed to it and just and did yeah. it. Like that, that was I thought I think really meaningful, especially if you're a girl that looks like Ashlyn. It's like okay, you know, you don't have to have the Bell look to be Bell. Like yeah. she can be the Bell of the ball. So uh, I thought all that was really good. Okay, um, what else are you watching on Disney Plus? Um, I watched. Well, we already talked about that. I had watched What If and leading up to What If, I watched the three new Marvel Legends as well. I also watched that, yeah. Of the three, the the Peggy one was interesting because it directly pertained to episode yep. one. Um, but I was I was pl- pleasantly sur- surprised by the Ravagers. Yeah, episode. the Ravagers one was really good. Um, I, of course, knew what I was going to get with that one. Um the only complaint I would say is the Avengers initiative one was kind of short for me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't I know what the point of that one was. don't really know why they had that one. Yeah. I, I also wonder that about the Ravagers. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Ravagers yeah. one, but I don't, I don't know. That's clearly tying into something with what if I, I mean, I, I already know what's the, what if is. Okay. Um, and, it might be episode two. I don't even know what order they're going to go with, but 
it um the what if is what if they picked up T'Challa instead of Quill. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that, I guess. Um, so Yondu basically takes T'Challa yeah. as his like son. So I don't know if we're going to keep getting Marvel Legends leading up to the episode. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're doing. I don't know what the, the Avengers Initiative episode was about. Yeah. That was that was a weird one. I it was kind of fun to watch just because it you know nostalgia for those movies. But I was mm-hmm. like, what is what's the point of this? Um, but yeah, the other two are, are really really good. The the Peggy one I had forgotten a lot. I it's been a yeah. long time since I've seen the first Avenger. So yeah, that that was a good. I watched it right before watching the What If episode, and I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. So. But that's. Um, and then behind the attraction, we already talked about. Yep, and then. We want, we're still on that train trying to get Lizzie McGuire done. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know how many episodes we have left. I think like 15 or so. So, I mean, we're getting closer, but school's also approaching. So, I don't know how long it'll be, but we, we've watched a couple episodes since then. But that's about it. Yeah. We're way behind on Monsters at Work. but Okay. I, I don't want to... I don't want to get your hopes up too much. I want to, I want to be in the same way that I encourage you to watch all of season two of high school musical. Cause it, it does get slightly better in the second mm-hmm. half than the first half. The first half is abysmal. Um, monsters at work is kind of becoming that way for me as well. Okay. So yeah, episodes five and six episode five is the best episode of, okay. of all of them. Um, I don't know. The first episode is really good too, but uh, they they had some kind of down ones in like okay. two two three four, but five really picks up. It's really good. Six I think is almost as good as five. Um, okay. So slight down I think on six, but um, it's back up to me from the first episode. Um, and I think episode five is actually a really intriguing. That's like an episode I would want to discuss on the show. Like it's okay. it's actually really good. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely don't give up on that one. It's. Um, I mean, episode seven could be one the worst episode in the series <laughs> for all I know. I just, I don't know if it's going to stay good, but as of right now, I'm, I'm slightly higher on it, on it than I was several weeks ago. Okay. So, uh, yeah, definitely stick with that one. Um, uh, one to not stick with is, uh, Chippendale park life. I, I checked this one out. I, 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 <laughs> I haven't even adventured down that row. I will fully freely admit that I only watched the first half of the first episode. Okay. okay? But the fact that I bounced off on it, that quickly is everything you need to know about the show. Um, I wouldn't necessarily even recommend this for your kids. Um, it is, it is Chip and Dale in a Ren and Stimpy style animation to say, to to say that it's like kind of offensive, like in in the way that it looks like it's, it's kind of, uh, it's off putting in the way that it looks like it's kind of gross. Um, and, uh, and (laughs) Chip and Dale never speak. There are no English words ever spoken in the show. Um, and the adventures that they go on are like, are the most routine, dumb. Why would I ever care about this stuff? I, I watched So the, every, every episode is like 25 minutes long mm-hmm. and it's cut up into thirds. So like every, oh, every adventure is like seven minutes long. And I watched the first seven minute thing and it kind of, actually I kind of skipped a couple minutes of it. And then I went to the second one, watched the first couple minutes of that. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving this any more of my time. I'm not going to let my, my five-year-old uh, watch it. Um, I, to, in my opinion, it's, it's not, it's not appropriate. Uh, and um, I just don't know. I mean, there's a, such a short window 
of demographic ages that this is even going to speak to. I, I don't know what they're doing with the show. It's, yeah. it's really dumb. Um, it's not funny at all. It's, it's just a weird show. Um, on a positive note, uh, Bad Batch is wrapping up. Uh, we get the last the finale episode, if you can believe it, in two days. Um, okay. So it's almost over. Uh, they did uh, episode 15 last Friday, and it was a great episode. Um, I mean, it's about what you'd expect, but the, the last two episodes, you know, serious ramp up. Like, it's as far as entertainment value and excitement, you know, kind of knew it was coming, but the last two episodes are, are going to be maybe as high as the first couple episodes for me. So, um, yeah, it's there, there are some really big events that are happening in the world and, uh, that's all I want to say without spoiling it. So might have, um, Jake on sometime. I know he's, he's starting to get busy. We're all going to get really busy in the next couple weeks with school starting up. But, um, I'd like to have Jake on just to kind of talk about the season as a whole, maybe in the same way that we talked about High School Musical. I know you haven't had, you are probably not going to watch it at all. Um, I might do, this is like a little programming, like behind the scenes, behind the curtain thing, but I might do like record with just Jake. Yeah. Uh, like a 40 minute, like um, insert the interview yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the show type of thing um, on that. So uh, give him a chance to free reign, talk about everything, but not like, you know, <laughs> basically make you just sit there and <laughs> yeah. watch us talk. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, that's it behind the attraction, Marvel legends. I did watch the first 20 minutes. I'm going to finish it cause it's really good of, um, making of Loki okay. and, um, it, it's, it might be the best of the three that they've done. Uh, they did the making of WandaVision, making of Falcon Winter Soldier and now the making of Loki and, um, making of Loki is, is, um, I don't know. Direct is the right word. However, you would say like programmed by the 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 guy that's actually doing the documentary mm-hmm. is Tom Hiddleston, which oh, okay. I, I would have never guessed that they would ever do that for any of the shows. Um, you know, uh, what's her name from WandaVision didn't do that show. Yeah. Um, Olson. An- yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Olson. Elizabeth. Uh, Anthony Mackie didn't do you know the narration for. Like, but Tom Hiddleston is literally running the, do- the documentary. Like it's, it's actually really good. And he's a fantastic narrator. His voice is so soothing, but um, it's, it's been really informative already and I'm only like a third of the way through it. So okay. I highly recommend those, those making ofs and making of Loki might actually be the best one um, that they've done. So that's it for what I've been watching. Uh, some things that I want to watch. Um, we don't always say this, but um, I might check out Stuntman, which is that, movie uh about evil knievel mm-hmm. um and just like the crazy stunts that he would try to pull off um because i'm starting to get more into documentaries and that, that one looks interesting to me um i we didn't do what's coming up on disney plus for last week one thing that came out last week and it's probably the only thing i'm going to mention i'm going to focus on what's coming up next uh and for, just forget about last week really but one of the things that they announced was more short circuit episodes okay. which if you're not familiar it's season two Th- these are like five minute long there's only like five of them mm-hmm. you can watch all five in like a half hour um shorts pixar shorts from people some of the people that made your favorite pixar movies but basically what they do like the pixar like execs whatever say pitch us an idea like, Hey, Hey, Pixar employee that you work for us, pick, uh, pitch your idea for a short. Mm-hmm. And if we like it, we'll make it. And yeah. it's just five of those. Uh, I think it's okay. five, um, for season two. I watched all five of the season one ones. And I remember liking like three of them. Like the other two were just okay. Um, and, uh, I'll probably watch these as well. They're it's, um, they're short, obviously you watch it in five minutes, but it's like, 
it's it's kind of akin to what if it's like you know uh, let let me introduce you to this world and then we're just going to bounce right off of it like it's just it's a little bite sized chunk of story so um, I'll probably check that as well and then I really do think if I have time and I, I might not but um, I do think I want to get into the mysterious Benedict Society so yeah. um, they just had their finale last mm-hmm. last Friday I think it was yeah and so now that that show's wrapped I, I might um, I think they finaled on like six or eight. It's, yeah, it's, something like it's a fewer than 10 episode season. Um, so especially because those episodes are 40 minutes a piece, there's only six or eight of them. Like I, I might, I might jump into that and just binge it. So, so yeah. Um, all right, let's get into what's coming, coming up on Disney bus. We're now over the two hour mark. I appreciate you hanging out with us and listening to all of this. Uh, we just had a lot to catch up on from being gone. Uh, a lot's been going on. We've been watching a lot. So, um, thanks for hanging out with us all this time. I do want to talk about what's coming up on Disney plus, and then we will wrap this puppy up. Um, here's what's coming to Disney plus. I guess I'll include, uh, today, which is, um, August the 11th. Um, Again, I'm, I'm going to kind of skip over the stuff that came out last week. A, because I don't know that a lot of it was interesting that I didn't already talk about. And then uh, B, I mean, you've probably already seen it. <laughs> you probably yeah. already watched a lot of it if you're listening to this. So, uh, all right. Wednesday, August 11th, uh, What If? Episode 1, of course. We'll be talking about on, that on our next episode of the show. Uh, a New Monsters at Work episode, Adorable Re- Returns, um, is... <laughs> that name of that episode Tyler mistakenly allows the banished adorable snowman to return to monsters Inc. So that's, that should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, a fan favorite, I, I guess you could say. Oh yeah. I'd say the so first for movie. sure. Um, Turner and Hooch episode four. That one's still going Chippendale park life episode three. Skip it. Um, the wonderful world of Mickey mouse episode 17 and 18. I didn't know they were just doing a couple of those at a time. Here's what I want to highlight. This came out today, and I will probably watch this as well, especially if they're short. Um, they're literally called that. Goofy's How to Stay at Home Shorts. Have you seen this? No. Let me read, read the explanation to you. Uh, Disney is releasing three hilariously relatable shorts on how to stay at home. So do, do you, you grew up on Disney Channel. Yep. So do, you grew up watching like the how to learn, uh, how, to, mm-hmm. how to ski, how to learn yep. to ski, whatever, with Goofy teaching you how to ski mm-hmm. and all of his crazy antics. They're doing that again in 2021. Okay. And it's quarantine focused, oh, nice. how to stay at home. So uh, with such topics as mastering the skills of, it's not ski anymore, it's how to wear a mask, learning to cook, and binge watching. Okay. I'm all in. Yeah, I, that sounds hilarious to me. Um, I love those. It's like a narrator talking in like a nineteen mm-hmm. forties yep. voice over Goofy just being stupid and yeah. hurting himself over and over again. And it's gonna bring me back to being a kid again. And if it, I mean, the first episode is how to wear a mask. I, I'm I'm totally in. Like that sounds great. So like controversy aside, like just just watch it and enjoy it and laugh yeah. and laugh. So. That's, I think that's what we need after the last year and a half. Uh, Caesar Milan, uh, Better Human, Better Dog. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> uh, Breaking Bobby Bones, uh, season one, uh, eight episodes. Uh, this is the one where he's doing stunts yep. um, across the United States. Um, going to skip that one. I don't know what that is. Disney Junior Chicken Squad, s- season one. That's probably one that Jordan will, will check out. That's it for Wednesday. Friday, August 13th, uh, the finale of Bad Batch. That's probably the biggest thing that's coming out um, this Friday. Uh, most of the, it, They're releasing more big, bigger stuff on Wednesdays now, but Bad Batch is still on Fridays. 
Uh, Aquamarine, uh, a movie? Movie. Have you seen this? No, but I know what it is. Okay, I read the first line. It is definitely not your, for your demographic. Two 13-year-old best friends, girls, embark on the adventure of their lives when they discover a mermaid. mermaid. Yeah, named Aquamarine in a swimming pool. <laughs> I love it. And that is it for Friday. Okay. Believe it or not. Holy cow. Wow, they are really moving everything to Wednesdays, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like in the previous weekends, they've had an, like an equal amount. There are only two things coming out on Friday, August 13th. Uh, Bad Batch Finale and Aquamarine. That's it. Wow. Interesting. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what to look forward to. Obviously, the Bad Batch is going to be high on my list to watch. Uh, and then um, I'm definitely going to watch those goofy uh, How to Stay at Home yeah. shorts. I think that sounds interesting. So a couple couple highlights for this week. Uh, thanks again for sticking with us this this long. We're now at like, it's it's I think around two hours and 15 minutes, <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes. So um, definitely the longest show we've ever done. Um, thanks for, for hanging out with us. Uh, let us know what you want to hear about on this podcast or send us your own review on something that you've watched on Disney plus. Um, we'd love to include you in the show. I would, I would especially welcome any thoughts on high school musical, the musical, the series, uh, especially season two. Um, if you want to talk about both seasons, you know, we'll read your comments, but, uh, you know, any, especially if you have a different perspective on season two, I'd I'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, easiest way to do that is to email the show Disney plus reviews at hotmail.com. And that's P L U S all spelled out Disney P L U S reviews at hotmail.com. Uh, next time on the show, we're definitely going to do what if, and maybe a movie. I don't know how long our discussion will be on what if. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I might talk to Jake and see if he can do um, Star Wars for the rest of it. But yeah, uh, so it'll at least be your next episode will at least be the first episode of What If, and then maybe some Star Wars Bad Batch as well, or maybe a surprise movie. We'll, we'll Sounds see. Sounds like a plan. All right, thanks, Grant. Thanks for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you next time.